Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. Welcome back, clone heads, to another exciting episode of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Zach Joyner. And joining me this episode, he's the host of Spectacular Radio here on the Spider-Dude Radio Network. His name is Greg Bashansky. Hi, and I hope we get that podcast going again soon. <laughs> I'm going to have a theme on my uh, introducing my next co-host. He's the host of Mayday Mondays on the Spider Dash Dude Radio Network. He is Gerard Delatour the second. Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just don't. And we have uh, Donovan Morgan Grant of the Comic Book Film Review podcast. I'm also the host of the uh, SpideyDude.com uh, commentaries, which we've not done oh, yeah, in yeah, two yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. We're gonna get that going again. That was a lot of fun. Um, all about the scheduling, my friend. All about the scheduling. <laughs> we pretty much were just like doing a commentary like three minutes ago, just like ripping 90 show quotes before you press record. This is true. All right. So we, um, oh, that disembodied voice you hear is Joshua Labbertoni. He's the co-founder of, of the Clone Slayer Chronicles podcast. Head, shoulders, knees, and clones? Yeah, clones. All right. This particular episode, we're going to be covering uh, three books. Uh, instead of our usual four or five, we're going to be only covering three. We're going to be wrapping up the uh, month that uh, Blood Brothers came out. We're going to be covering issue 12 of Unlimited. We're going to be covering issue 6 of Sensational and issue 69 of Adjectiveless Spider-Man. <laughs> Although you have that in the wrong... <laughs> yeah, that's that's the wrong yeah I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that's the wrong order where I read them in the wrong yeah. order. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be Unlimited 12... Uh, does the order matter? Yeah, honestly, real real talk. This time, this time what? it doesn't. Um, I'm, because they're not connected any, directly anymore. Although you have to yeah. read Unlimited first because of the skeleton thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, it's Unlimited Twelve. Uh. uh Adjectiveless sixty nine, and then, uh, Sensational six. Actually, you know what? I take it back. It does matter because of the daily grind. Yeah. I, I was actually trying to figure that out when we read the issues. And like, actually, and, and if you think attention. about it, each issue, even though they're kind of independent stories, and not to give too much away, like each of them do have like an important, you know, uh, like uh, piece of the puzzle being, you know, moved in a different direction. Like, unlimited yeah. the skeleton, and uh, 
and uh, no adjective list is like the daily grind and Ben being framed. And then the other one is, you know, Peter Mary final. Jane moved back to New York. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then the sensational is Jessica Carandine. Goodbye, sweet Jessica. This is her last appearance. I'm shocked Let's that no one's at. Go, Jessica. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, this is this is like I say, this is wrapping up the same month that Blood Brothers uh, wrapped up. So this is um, where you're getting ever so close to the final um, the final few chapters. We're about uh, to kind of give everybody kind of a, a recap of what we've done so far on the show. If you're following along via the trade paperbacks, our first episode covered almost all of the uh, original Clone Saga uh, trade. And then we have the first five uh, volumes is the Epic Book trades. We've covered all of Epic Books 1 and 2 and Epic Book all of Epic Book uh, 4. We haven't quite covered everything in Epic Book 3. I think Donovan's uh, favorite story of all time, Planet of the Symbiotes, is in there. So we haven't covered that yet. And then Epic Book 5, we will uh, cover the remainder part of it um, uh, with um, the... Flipbook story is a lizard story, uh, lizard versus the Scarlet Spider. We'll cover that when we get to the Ben Riley as Spider-Man lizard story. So that's uh, something to look forward to on there. And then, of course, the uh, New Warriors issues. I will be covering them all, and I mean all, of the New Warriors Scarlet Spider-related issues in one giant colossal episode. The late New Warriors, as it were. Yes, the late. Uh, Alas, they were all new New Warriors are no longer around. They were effing nuked in 2007. <laughs> I, I, don't no. think that, I don't think that was all the same New Warriors. No, not, not no, entirely. Not. A Marvel Universe yeah, handbook uh, said that like a lot of ones from the 90s were in, in that Civil War issue. A lot of them yeah, were, they, but it wasn't, it wasn't the entire same roster. You, you Speedball had, survived, I know, and became Penance. Speedball, yeah, Speedball survives, and be, then became Speedball, Speedball again, and then he became Penance kind of in the dreamscape. But it, Night it, Thrasher, uh, Namorito wasn't there, right? I think she was. What are you talking about? She was the one who got blown up first. She was close. She was the one that was next to Nitro when he blew up. Yeah, yeah. And then Actually, they had like. A, if you give me three seconds, water, I can find this. <laughs> yeah, water I'm snake. I'm sure that this will uh, all be covered in the Civil War movie that's coming out. <laughs> I'm looking forward so, to Amber Heard as Namorita. Um, and hey, but, don't yeah. forget Firestar for the inevitable Amazing Friends movie too. Wow, yeah. I can't believe that they cast Kristen Bell as Namorita for the Civil War movie. Okay, we're not, doing, we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing we're not we're not we're not we're not we're not we're not doing this. Oh yeah, she's okay. dead. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> anyway, the um yeah, the New Warriors uh only thing people only two originals that survived were um Speedball the and, character. and Justice, uh Donovan's favorite uh, New Warrior. Because so. that's how you do it. You name yourself after a concept. <laughs> Oh, and it's even it's even worse when you read the New Warriors issues that have Scarlet Spider in them because all all Scarlet Spider serves all his purposes is to like rem- remind you how much yeah boost sales uh, yeah the, the, there's a, there's a checklist boost sales sex appeal remi- re- remind um remind everybody how much that Firestar and Mary Jane look alike uh, and be the love <laughs> and be the love triangle between you know. Um, Firestar and uh, Justice. Just In fairness, her. if you watch the cartoon, especially especially with like the original character model sheets, she does look like Mary Jane. Well, I think she was supposed to be Mary yeah. Jane. <laughs> John Romita <laughs> Senior just drew Mary Jane and then put a costume on her. 
that yeah. lazy <laughs> Can you imagine how different... The Sorry, did I say junior? I meant senior. My bad. Could, yeah, can you imagine how different the franchise might be today if, they act, if that actually was Mary Jane? Uh, CBR did one of those, like, comic book urban legends thing, and, like, and, and they asked, like, was she supposed to be Mary Jane? I don't remember what they used as evidence, but they eventually concluded, like, no, she was never going to be Mary Jane. They just well, got lazy. It sh- wasn't even going to be a female. It was going to be the Human Torch, but they couldn't do that. That's because, right. Uh, rights issues with Universal. He was too busy being Herbie in the other cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, oh. was the same, that was the exact same deal that kept him out of that Fantastic Four cartoon. Speak, yep. Speaking of Human Torch, um, just like a 20-second tangent, um, somebody asked Tom Brevoort today, why is the Human Torch still white in the comics? And Tom Brevoort said, because when somebody is born white, they stay white their whole life. That's Rachel Dozeo. I was gonna say, I was gonna say you, don't, you don't say the same race your whole life. Michael Jackson proved the reverse is also true. <laughs> Michael Jackson's not a role model. <laughs> He's also dead. Are you teeth. sure? Uh, now, 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 is, is his face decomposed with the rest of his body, or is it just they just stay the same? <laughs> okay, because that's not staying in. <laughs> oh well. Uh, okay. So All right, so we're gonna, you cut you covered so it. And, uh, yeah, we 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 are, I kind of feel bad that I wasn't there to cover that. <laughs> well, <laughs> literally, okay, folks, I covered issues, uh, and this will be in a future episode. I covered, I did a recording, and I covered issues sixty-one through um, sixteen sixty-eight, which includes Nightmare on Scarlet. Your your Merry Christmas, you two. Um, Greg and Gerard. <laughs> Yay! Wait, is Yay. New Warriors sixty-eight and sixty whatever? Yeah, it was new. Uh, the New Warriors. It was two issues of new, or an issue of New Warriors, and then two issues of Web of Scarlet Spider. How, so, how long did they run? Uh, Web of Scarlet Spider ran for four issues. No, uh, uh, New Warriors. Um, I think to like eighty, seventy-five or eighty. Dang, I, I didn't know that they, they had that. that that's a per- perfectly respectable run. When did they start? 90s, of course. Um, like, 91? Yeah. Yeah, but back in the 90s, like, any book can make, like, 80 issues. You know, now it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many issues of Night Watch were there? A billion. <laughs> That's a serious <laughs> question. True. I actually don't know, though, well, how many issues of you, Night you Watch. Mean, you, mean, you mean Spawn knockoff uh, Marvel version? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I remember yeah. that guy. Hey, yeah, it, could be, remember, it, could be, it could be Night Cat. Remember that? Oh yes, yeah. You know, Stanley's uh, precursor to Stripperella. Yeah. Uh, fun fa- fun fact: uh, the uh, the singer slash actress who played Nightcat, she now does por- amateur pornography. I'm not kidding. This is true. Oh. How did Face you front true believer? Oh dear. Oh, did, did you do dear. a bunch of re- exhaustive research for that there, Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're uh, so of course we always like to go to our favorite uh, written introspective. Um, online blog the life of riley at life of riley archives.blogspot.com uh we're going to part 24 and we're going to start with glenn's comments as he's talking about the blood brothers storyline coming to a close marvel of course had another major downsizing and spiderman editors bob ulansky and eric fine were laid off from the company as longtime readers of the column know Bulansky was the had been the editor-in-chief of the spider-man group but but became Spider-Man Group editor when Bob Harris was promoted to editor-in-chief of Marvel. There was no lack of irony associated with the firing of Bob Ulansky. My understanding was that under Marvel's five editors-in-chief system, which was in place from the end of 94 to the end of 95, 
Each of, e of the EICs had to increase the sales figures of their lines of books by a certain percentage over the course of that year. These groups, for reference, were the Spider-Man Group, X-Men Group, The Edge Group, the Marvel Heroes Group, and the Licensed Titles slash Marvel Alter Alterniverse Group. Uh, just a the way question, I, just a quick reminder. Edge Group is the one that had like Punisher and stuff like that, right? I believe so. Like Nightwatch and all that crap we were just referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, like Midnight Suns, all that. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. I think Marvel uh, Marvel Heroes Group was the Avengers and Fantastic Four. Edge Group was like the supernatural group of Marvel. X-Men was obvious. Uh, and then licensed titles was... I think that was what Malibu ended up falling under yeah. whenever um, they bought them out. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be referencing what, Malibu later when we get to uh, Unlimited because I actually researched something. Okay. Uh, the way that Glenn always heard it, the only group to meet its sales figures requirements over that year was the Spider-Man group under the leadership of Bob Ulinski, but the, quote, five chief scenario was ultimately phased out, and Harris was appointed the one and only EIC. Shortly thereafter, the order came down from on high that more heads had to roll. To the people deciding who would stay and who would go, the fact that Belinsky had managed to maintain the sales on Spider-Man and even improve them during a time when sales were going down across the entire comics industry was not enough to save him from being downsized. The year that Bobby Linsky supervised the Spider-Man line had its fair share of creative turmoil, frustration, indecision, and abrupt changes in the writing team. Looking back on it all these years later... He would, Glenn would say that the bad moments probably outnumbered the good, but Glenn would contribute that more to the situation they were in than anything else. Bobby Linsky didn't initiate the Clone Saga, he inherited it. And he knows that he came to the situation feeling very uncomfortable about what was planned for the future. He wanted to resolve everything in the best way possible, but the whole thing had just spiraled out of control and he didn't quite know how to deal with it. He was fired just as they were finally settling on a solid new direction and a and definite way to, out of the Clone Saga. And like Glenn said, there's no lack of irony here. And a certain degree of unfairness as well. But unfortunately, fairness and business don't always go hand in hand. Once, he was, once Bob Ulinski was gone, Bob Harris promptly dissolved the Spider-Man group and placed all four of the core titles with one editor. That editor was Ralph Macchio, not to be confused with the Karate Kid. <laughs> I, I put that last part in. To whom it would <laughs> that comes up every time. I love it. To whom to whom it fell to the end of the Clone Saga once and for all. Harris also placed longtime Spider-Man assistant editor Mark Bernardo with Ralph to maintain some continuity amongst the Spider-Man editorial staff. Tom Brevoort was still and Glenn Greenberg were still editing Untold Tales of Spider-Man and some of the other Spider-Man projects, including the Spider-Man Legacy of Evil painted one-shot by Kurt Busiek and Mark Teixeira and a long-planned sequel to Spider-Man The Lost Year's limited series. Ralph also told Brevoort and me that he greatly valued their input and asked us to remain in the loop and continue being part of the creative process, which they, of course, happily obliged. All right, so that kind of gives you a bit of the background as these books were coming out. Um, and um, I'm going to kind of mention, because I just talked about New Warriors a few minutes ago. Evan Skolnick, who does the, who's the writer of issue uh, tw uh, 12 of Unlimited, he actually was writing New Warriors at the time, and he also wrote the final two issues of Web of the Scarlet Spider. So take of that, of course, what you will. This is the same guy that's responsible for um, writing the uh, end of Web of the Scarlet Spider and the Scarlet Spider titles. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to... 
Josh, you, I, let me wait. No, back up. <laughs> why? Why are you turning it over to me? I didn't go to New York Comic Con. Uh, yeah, but uh, we did. We did. We've done Life of Riley. Hey, Spidey Do Gang! I'm here to tell you all about my adventures at New York Comic Con. First, you know, um, I went to the um, Dan Slott's awesome panel. And I should have done this before I did the, the Life of Riley stuff. I apologize. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to switch gears for a second, and we're going to talk a little bit about New York Comic Con 2015. It's been a while since we've all gotten together, and uh, Gerard and Greg got to go, and they're going to tell us their thoughts about the uh, con itself. Greg? It sucked. Back to you, Zach. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was all sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah, um... Purple it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of pointless to talk about the like specific details because you know this is months we're recording this months later because of various reasons but um I think the consensus Greg I, I think would be fair to say that Marvel didn't bring a whole lot to the table no they really didn't comics wise they had a lot of like TV presence and stuff but yeah it was interesting because they didn't because and I'll, I'll bring in um, Don and Josh how big was Marvel's presence at at San Diego last year. I mean, it's um, a presence. It's, it it kind of depends on which character you go because they always kind of split it down between, like, you know, the Avengers panel, uh, the quote unquote Spider Man panel, and like the other stuff. And like, we don't they, tend to go to a lot of Marvel stuff, but like when we they do. They have plenty of panels. Yeah, they always have. The presence always is, is like is like always felt, but like the quality of the panels is kind of hit or miss depending on which person you go to, go towards. And Spider Man is Spider Man is usually a really bad panel to go to because they frequently just, just like <laughs> they don't know top. what to do with it anymore. Right, which which is a good segue because they didn't have a Spider Man panel at, at not at all New York Comic Con, which, which was is shocking. Which yeah, which is immediately surprising. A because Dan Slott was there at the show. Although I think he only did Cup of Joe and that was it, right? Yeah, I don't think he was there. He was there for like five minutes, and then uh, so they didn't have a Spider-Man panel, and they they basically had two major ones. They had the uh, was it the all new, all different Marvel panel? Yeah, with Axel Alonso and a few other people, um, Robbie yeah. Thompson. <laughs> I mean, that was a that was a disaster. Yeah, they talked about a uh, they talked about Spider Gwen more than anything, and I cut out before the uh, before. When they finish your panel and we're just going to do the Q&A to get in line for the next panel, which turned out to actually be in the same room, which so that was <laughs> dumb for, of me to do. But Yeah, but uh, Greg wasn't alone because that panel, it was – it was uh, uh, pardon my French, it was a cluster f- uh, First of all, they talked about basically three things. They talked about Spider-Gwen, they talked about that Spider-Woman series, and they brought up uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. And you know, Spider-Man characters. <laughs> well, this is not. This is just the "quote unquote" all new, all different Marvel panel. But the reason I bring this up is because basically their entire presentation consisted of. Uh, okay, somebody decided to fold up a newspaper in the middle of this. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> their Sounds entire, like a bag of popcorn. <laughs> their entire presentation was basically, okay, let's show like two panels of something and then tell you we can't talk about it. Hmm. And that was so frustrating. Like you could, feel, it started high, and then you could almost feel people groaning repeatedly. And then when they then they wrapped up after maybe ten minutes, and they were like, "All right, now it's time to go to the Q and A." And half the room got up and left. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be among those. So there's really no reason for me to do that because the next panel I wanted to go to is in there. <laughs> On the plus side, uh, Robbie Thompson called me Your Majesty when he saw me. <laughs> he knows because on, on Saturday, 
Yeah, because on Saturday you were cosplaying. Yes, I was. I was dressed as Crowley, the King of Hell. He's uh, Mark Shepard's character on Supernatural, and Robbie Thompson's one of the main writers of that show. Oh, okay. So he, uh, and I was wearing a black suit, black tie, black shirt, and a cashmere overcoat, which, by the way, eight hours in the Javits Center wearing this is hell, but, um. Uh, It's cashmere. Yeah, no pun intended, really. And uh, I didn't walk up to him and say, hey, guess what I'm dressed up as? He just walked past me and said, hey, your majesty. <laughs> you should also mention your brother Alex was there, and he was he was dressed Saturday as uh, Venom boss. Snake. He was dressed <laughs> as Venom Snake from Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, he was. Which is awesome. <laughs> and Gerard was dressed as a hobo. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably wearing a wrestler shirt and a ranger's cap, because that's how I was dressed the entire weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I had a Macho Man shirt, a CM Punk shirt, and maybe a a, another Macho Man shirt, and I just rotated them. Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah. Um, and (laughs) the the Q and A was was weird because it was basically. (laughs) I mean, Greg, you would have loved to have been there because the entire Q and A was every other question was asking them about X Men and whether or not they were really canceling it, Uh and. Alonzo's def- no Alonzo's deflection of that question was 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 inconsistent. It, it was very infuriating because basically the, the, their entire response to that, which was clearly pre-planned ahead of time, because they had to know they were going to be asked this repeatedly, was um, we have plans for the X Men, but we're not going to tell you what they are. Just take our word for it. No. Yes, this was it. That was their entire response. Lying. Well, I mean, they worded it differently every time. <laughs> Well, yesterday, as of this recording yesterday, comicbook.com released, like, you know, what the deal is with the Marvel Universe now that Secret Wars is done. And I looked at that link and read, like, you know, what they're doing with the X-Men, and it is ridiculous. It's like, you know, the X-Men are still around, but they're in a realm of, like, like of like mutant limbo, which only they exist in. So they're still in the Marvel Universe. Wait, what? They've been cut off, basically. Like, they, Dude, they're just... They, they've... They've, they've, well, what they've done is, thanks to Secret Wars, they have completely marginalized everything that Disney doesn't own. Yeah, or have they still have like two or three titles out. In the meantime, they, like, they're they're going to completely milk Deadpool, you know, next month. But whatever. They, but they cannot interact with the Marvel Universe as well as like the Fantastic Four are, are, are over, and Thing and Johnny are the ones who see. Yeah, and it's like, could you sell out even harder? <laughs> yeah, and this is hysterical in hindsight because they. Spe- I'm serious. They every time they were asked, they said, "We we have plans, but we're not going to tell you. Just trust us." And I'm sitting there thinking, okay. Number one, that's a really stupid response, especially at, you know, the, the largest. It, this is surpassed San Diego in attendance. Like this is the lar- this is the largest comic book. Convention I heard about that. Yeah, in the United States. Like, and you're not going to have anything for X. I, I think that those numbers, though, like because I, I I heard that report that it got more in San Diego, but then when I I researched it and checked the numbers, there was like something off there and like San Diego might have still had more but uh, without having all the information well, it was the very let's put it this way at the very worst it's the second largest comic book convention in the United States right right right, right, right. well and Marvel's like favored them over San Diego a lot too because right. a lot of like major announcements that they've done like have been done at like New York Comic Con instead of San Diego the last right. few years which is taking well and, they, and and what part of the problem is too is They've they they don't they choose. I feel like they're trying to marginalize these comic cons and be more. Because um, I've noticed that they've been announcing more and more stuff at D three or D twenty three because that's Disney's yeah expo as opposed to X twenty three. Yeah, 
<laughs> Hold on. But yeah, I, so I, I, I was frustrated with the fact that that Gerard and Greg couldn't really cover much on Sandia. And, and you and, I, and and you were there on Facebook when I when I was at that panel. I just posted. I was posting quotes where they're like, "We can't discuss that right now, but we'll give you a little taste." And I'm like, "Then why am I here?" <laughs> give me a reason. Give me a reason not to leave this room right now. I usually don't like. I usually don't like pulling this card, but like this is the same company that pulled one more day. They're not trustworthy. Okay. When I was saying I had two, I, I thought two things. The first thing was what I said. The second thing was exactly that. They keep telling us to trust them, but they've given us no reason to, except beyond just taking their word for it. I mean, we, uh, now Don and Josh and and I even when I was in, there in 2011. We bitched about the fact that the Spider-Man panel was less about Spider-Man and more about. And it's only movies. gotten worse since then. It's like it's like we don't want to talk about it. Like I am so ready for Dan Slott to be gone, so that way we can actually have a decent <laughs> Spider-Man panel. Is that bad? <laughs> we, we, we didn't talk about this. Not not. Uh, I won't spend too much on this because this is Gerard and Greg's like anecdotes. But like just to add to the point, uh, twenty fifteen in San Diego. They like they they talked about like Drax the Destroyer number one and Howard the Duck and like so many like off topic things at the Spider Man panel and they were so blatantly unprepared that they like they abducted Santa Eminat to like talk about books that she doesn't even edit. It's like like the only books you can actually talk about is experience is oh, Christ. The like, analogy that Don made that was, I thought was funny was he says that it's like they woke up and like forgot that they had a panel that day and just like. <laughs> Threw a bunch of stuff together. Like, was it Drax? Where they were like, they said, talk about Drax, and she said, um, it's, a com- it's a comic book. <laughs> that's kind of what. That's kind of what they did quotes, here. People. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what this panel was. I think at this point in time, I think like, she at this panel too. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I think, but at this time, with as much experience that all of us combined have in terms of going to these panels, like Marvel, like since 2011 at least, like it's like I mean I don't think that Marvel is in trouble as a, co- as a company necessarily, but when it comes to like you know especially Spider-Man with, with, with much of their other stuff, they really are like just awful at either just coming up with stuff to like you know either talk about which means they don't have any stories or at the very least marketing the shit. Because what what yeah. is the most exciting story that's come to, from Marvel in the last five years? Uh, the, be- the best things they're doing right now, maybe they're Star Wars comics, but and that's because Lucasfilm is uh, breathing down their neck about this stuff. Yeah, I should we should mention that too. There was a big Star Wars Marvel presence. That was half of what Cup of Joe was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, that's because Mar. That's because Star Wars had a movie coming out. So, like you know, Marvel's got that little feather in their cap. Yeah. Well, and, and I and I guarantee, I guarantee you will see. A crap ton of Spider-Man stuff this time next year. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I mean, the, the the build up to to the new Spider-Man movie is going to be a, as buzzy as it can possibly be. Honestly, I don't remember a lot of stuff going on during ASM, the, the lead up to ASM two, or even ASM one. You know, say what you can about those movies, but like you would have thought that there would be a Marvel's lot of Marvel's working on this. Marvel Studios is working on this next one also in conjunction with Sony, so it's going to be different than them wanting to not promote something that's. But I were, I were. I remember in 2011 the amount of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, like advertising. Because they had was the ridiculous. hashtag event was coming out. Yeah, they also had they also had Spider Island, and and I remember the Dan Slot like overly <laughs> acting on PCP the the wrong side of the room. Yeah, like it was awful. And then uh, that was also the uh, burning hoodie to to bring it back to Clone Saga Chronicles. 
Uh, and that's what you said. It's, it's been Riley coming back, and they like put a dot on you and told you to sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, then they had they that they whole this video of the... Dan Slott, and he like pointed like, ah, oh, like my editor over there, but he pointed to the wrong side of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly high. <laughs> yeah. What else? Oh yeah, that's right. Because he wasn't there in person, right? He was like a video presentation. Yeah, yeah. That was awful. he's never fucking there. <laughs> he's he's always at home eating donuts. I don't he, know what he, he's. He, no, okay, he was there in so, fourteen. And he goes to New York Comic Con sometimes. Like that time, because I bu- he lives there. Like that time, I literally bumped into yeah. him in the, on the floor. Not this year, but. <laughs> and it made that comical yeah. balloon boom sound, and then you bounce us. Kind of. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was that was a cheap shot. I apologize. But, uh, well, well, I mean, but this, the this, this other, is... but besides the X Men line of questioning, there was also the other awkward line of questioning, where every question was about race, gender. What Marvel I just want to suggest doing, that what Marvel is doing to increase, and it's just like. What do you think they're going to say? Like that—that that is such like an obvious setup question. With a PR Alonzo, I want it Black was... Admiral Akbar. <laughs> well, it depends on who you're asking because Sanat Adam and I has like been on shows and talk shows and stuff talking about that kind of stuff. And Alonzo's defending himself, like you know the whole like you know rap uh, cover controversy where he took pretty much pretty offense to like, everything. But like if you ask like um, Loeb or Wade, they'll just yank their collars and deflect the question. But so, uh, it depends but, but, on who you're asking. But my point is you're only going to get either a deflection or you're going to get the, the cheap, get the crowd to, to, to applaud answer. We're like, yeah. well, yeah, I agree with you. We do need more representation. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, how do you expect them to answer that? I, I wish Pervort was there. He it's, always, a wasting, he always, it's a wasted question. I, I wish Pervort was at that. He usually makes these things more interesting, not necessarily positively, but. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, that first panel was just it was it was as dull as, as sandpaper. Yeah, so what else did we do? Uh, <laughs> let's uh, see. After that I got got out and this is not spider related. We went back into that same room where Lindsay Ellis and Brad Jones are doing the panel and that was a hell of a lot more fun. At New York Comic Con? Yeah. yeah. New York oh, Comic Con. They, they 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 got some clout then. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually shocked that happened, and, actually, and then I spoke to them briefly, and Lindsay Ellis and I actually have a friend in common, and I went to her Halloween party a few years ago, but... <laughs> yeah, and you guys also got to eat with Mary Jane, right? That was last, uh, year. last year. That was last year. She wasn't there this year, oh. sadly. Oh. No, 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 yeah, I emailed her a week before this thing, and she said she wasn't going to be there. They had a Star Wars Rebels panel, and she wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. But I had Steve Blum this year, who I did speak to. With briefly when I sit online for an hour to get stuff signed by him, we, I mentioned our podcast to him, and we're trying to schedule something. We'll see what happens. He's a very nice man, but also the busiest man in Hollywood. He does like a yeah. million TV shows, and he goes to a lot of conventions. Very yeah. popular guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely no way to blame this man if he doesn't show up because, like, he's right. just he's just working around. Yeah. The it's gonna it's going to be one of those things where we probably need to meet him with uh, meet up with him at a con and pull up Tony. And anyway, <laughs> but he signed something for me. Sneak backstage with a recorder. He signed. Yeah, he signed my. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he signed my Blu-ray copy of Spectacular Spider-Man: The Complete Series, and he signed my uh, Blu-ray copy of the Cowboy Bebop Complete Series. The uh, by the way, uh, Greg, you undersold that completely. If you've seen Greg's copy of that uh, Spec Spidey Blu-ray, it has a million signatures on it. <laughs> no, 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 that's the DVD when I met them all at the 2009 game. Oh, right. right, right. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't have him sign that one? I should have. I should have. I'll run I'm into smack you upside the head. I thought that's the one you had. Oh, no, I, I'll run into him at a con again. Stella, uh, we, we interviewed Josh. We interviewed Josh Keaton for uh, a DC thing, and like Stella, got, she, she like she get pulled out of her pocket like hammer space, like the Spec Spidey Blu-ray, 
and said that she loved it. And and Josh Keaton is still very, very like, you know, he's my favorite character and I love playing him. And of course I'll sign it and then shake Donovan Morgan Grant's hand and that was kinda cool. Yeah, I saw I was watching uh I was watching uh, Scorpion the other night. Uh, a couple, I think it may have been last week, uh, TV show on CBS, and he was like on the show as like a graphic artist or something like that. Oh, okay. And I was like, where have I, where have I seen this, where have I seen this dude before? And then where he started talking. Heard his voice before all the time. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, I, I've heard his voice before. Where have I, oh, that's Josh Key. And I just like it completely dawned on me. And then I felt like a complete yeah. idiot. Hercules <laughs> anime series. Yeah. My bra- my brain has been so ruined by cartoons that when you said you were watching Scorpion, the first thing I heard in my voice was, "Make way for the Scorpion." Don't like, call me the, names. Don't call. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Anyway, Mac, where are you going? Yeah, I do. I, I do speak to Josh <laughs> Keaton on a semi-regular basis, and uh, he will be doing our spectacular radio podcast at some point. We're just gonna when he feels it. like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he feels like it. No, no, no. He's a, he'll do it. He'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, as Greg far as, as, far as Spider-Man stuff goes, pff, virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they I think they announced that uh, Spider-Man uh, Deadpool. Crossover, oh God. I think it, it, it's not even a crossover. It's an ongoing. That series. was um. Did they announce that at Comic Con? Well, I don't know if they announced it, but they talked. They definitely talked about that at the panel we were at. I remember. Yeah. That. All right. Uh, yeah, they it, mentioned. It, they, they said well, by like Tumblr's demand or something. Almost everything they talked about was stuff that had been revealed already, which is yep. odd. We're it, doing it a face like, of Marvel movies, you guys. Oh, really? It, it seemed like starting with twenty. It started. It seems like starting with twenty eleven. Whenever DC like yanked the rug out from Marvel, and even worse comic books. Well, no, and, and when I say what I mean by that is, is with the new Fifty Two announcement, so, where right. it dominated that panel or yeah. dominated that convention. It seems like ever since then, Marvel has never recovered in terms of. Getting the buzz. It's from not that hard. Just reveal your stuff at Comic Con. That's what they did in 2010 with like the end That's of the day and big time. Yeah, it yeah. gets frustrating because New York Comic Con, especially, has just become like a week, like a week long event, and they do things off, like you know, like uh, off site and things like that. So they're not necessarily doing it at the Javits Center. So in which case, and, and it was frustrating, really frustrating in 2014 because they revealed Secret Wars out, outside of the convention. Like just at an event in Times Square, like that, the first night or something, and yeah. we're like, "What? You have a huge convention happening right now? Like, why the hell would you announce that at some offsite thing that no one?" I'm like, at, I, I, I'm that, not, that's I'm what not. DC started doing. Like, Dustin found out, uh, Dustin of the Batman universe, that like DC was doing these like events, like next door the Comic Con, where they were announcing these crossovers, and it's like his backyard. If you're actually at the show, you're getting the worst experience of it. <laughs> you, you'd be better off just just not attending because they're not, you're not you're never going to be there when they say. And considering how much people are paying for tickets, these things to get in. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, and that's, I'm honestly wondering though, uh, just real quick, like, I'm honestly wondering, and I don't like to be like conspiracy theorists because like, you know I don't you know you can only say so much about a company before you, you sound crazy. But real talk, like I'm wondering how, like, how much Marvel specifically like respects. SDCC or N- and NYCC because it's, it's like you know there's so many instances where like they're just squandering the potentials you know like to build up uh, momentum and excitement for their panels and like they, they they're clearly flat footed when it comes to things like Spider Man it's, it's like do they just straight up not respect or care about it anymore? Well, it, to be it's, fair, it's, a lot it's, of because that also has to do with Disney's ownership also. Well, and I won't. But I don't uh, think I'll that Disney I, gets. I, into Disney those wouldn't give a damn. Balls. Well, here, here's my thing. Here's my thing and my take on it. There's been a, a an outright can, and and some of it some of it's real and some of it's imagined and I'll I'll freely admit this to this statement. 
there's been a big slight uh, to the fans um, on and off from both sides, from both DC and Marvel, especially the last decade, that this uh, this overall contempt of the fan base, it's like where the fan base is the inconvenience. And they don't do things sure. to, build, to, to build buzz. They do things to get clicks on Entertainment Weekly. Now, in fairness, we do give them death threats, so I, I can see why they're a little annoyed. Well, what? yeah, I get I, that, I don't but... think that the conventions, though, like, they get a lot of negative from the fans because every time, like, you know, they talk about, like, the, the someone bitches at the writers about, you know, like, how they're ruining Franklin Richards forever or something like that. They'll always... Out. They'll they'll always say, oh well, you know, over at um like at the conventions, we get so many people coming up and thanking us. Like, I think that that's very gratifying for the writers and the artists mm-hmm. because like they get bitched out on the internet, but at the convention, everyone is kissing their butt. Yeah, Dennis always talks about how you know when people meet him face to face, they're always like like ninety nine percent of the time, they're always very uh, happy to see him. <laughs> you mean you mean face to like mid chest level? <laughs> that guy is short short. i'm sorry he just says but um yeah that's true like there's a lot of like the vibe around like artist alley and stuff is always way more positive but it's worth it's worth pointing out that at new york comic-con at least artist alley is like tucked in a corner in the back somewhere yeah to be fair also if you don't like someone you're not really gonna spend time online to meet them like i remember last year we were walking past the marvel booth while jeff Loeb was doing a site and signing oh, for agents of shield and, I, and we just kept walking yeah gerard and i made a couple no, we didn't of- you stopped to heckle him you threatened to throw – your brother was saying, like, oh, if I had something to throw at him, I'd just throw it at him. That's so I immediately went into my bag and pulled out a can of something. To yep. hand and hand I wrote it. something on Facebook, and Zach told us not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zach, thinking we would legit actually try that. No, we don't have the balls. We're actually cowards I, 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 You know, You know, I, I – I, I... I wouldn't put it past Bellator, okay? Bashansky's, <laughs> no, uh, I have more sense than that. I, I, we would get us back. Why is that? Is it because I'm classier in real life or because I'm a coward? Because, you were, because you're dressed as the king of hell. <laughs> that, Which makes you sleazier in real life. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, uh, I guess the gist of what we're Give getting at... kiss, Grant. <laughs> I guess the gist of what we're getting at is all the stuff that we did outside of covering Marvel was great. Like I attended a couple other, like wrestling related panels that were just a lot of fun i went wrestling to a, panels i don't yes. know they there they have a large presence of pro wrestling stuff at, at new york comic-con like sergeant which makes sergeant yes. slaughter is there every year uh <laughs> well because because like it, it's it's w- hey, hey, hey respect the sarge his dna was used to make serpentor uh, i i understood that reference i didn't <laughs> but, um, but WWE is actually headquartered in Connecticut, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, be having big also, presence there. Yeah, I also went to a comic book legal defense fund panel that was that was very interesting, without being like condescending and stupid, which I appreciate. So are they usually that way? A lot of time. The thing is with that kind of subject matter, yeah, it can get like that. Where it's just like, look at these dumb Puritans who don't accept like you know this and this and complain about it. When I'm like. But you're not trying to see what their point of view is. That's a more interesting discussion. Yeah, I went to the Venture Brothers panel. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we promised you a new season in three years. <laughs> well, actually, this time I had a trailer of the show because season six starts in a couple weeks. 
after three years. <laughs> yeah, after three years, but um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a panel devoted to two guys mostly talking about nothing. They managed to fill up an entire panel where they talk about nothing, and it's more entertaining than anything Marvel puts up. So it's the Seinfeld of panels? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> and again, they could fill one of the big rooms too. Most, I know. Mostly they talked the about. Panel. Mostly they talked about, and uh, the timing on this is awful. I'm really so- sorry, but but this is in October. They talked about how they would make love to David Bowie. May he rest in peace. Oh, necrophilia uh, is finest. Okay. All right. So coming to a moral so, uh, comic near you. Oh, uh, so on that in defense, of, in, in defense of that, David Bowie was a major element in their TV show. Yeah, he was kind of like their like their, their major motif. <laughs> Also, he was quite alive at the time. Yes, he was. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, so we're we're gonna. You guys got any final thoughts on the on the cons? Either yeah. all four of you. I think I think we got it out of our system. I still enjoy going to them, even though they're a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing. I still get to buy stuff and meet. Oh yeah. The best time that I have there is is just walking around with Greg and Alex and just busting on stuff. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. The rest is yeah. come, come, all of you, come. Let's have a, let's have a uh, clone soccer chronicles. I, 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 I consider it each year. Truth be told, I'm not been to New York since I was four years old. It's my birthday. I haven't been to New York since I was um, sixteen. High school. Yeah. Well, I'll go get pizza. The pizza in New York is the best. I keep I telling you. I, I might keep be telling you this April. April. Well, that's true. We and we got pizza. Mm-hmm. And then Zach called by the turtles. Zach, and then Zach called me, and I ignored him. <laughs> Yeah. You you all come. We're getting pizza and bleaker. Now I might I might be there again this April. I'll let you all know. Well, excellent. Oh. we're definitely down to John's. We're going to bleak. Yeah, we're we're making this happen, Josh. I'm I'm writing it down. Mm -hmm. So okay, getting back to the and before we go, Zach. Even though you're a Texan, you're always welcome in our city. That was worth it. Yeah, I'll I'll only visit. You know, I won't stay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You'll be an honored guest. I can't. I can't openly carry my gun. It's in New a brave City, new so. world, Joiner. Yeah. yeah, you'll uh, you'll you'll be an honored guest. There are humane uh, laws in New York that you can't abide by. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we won't get into that, there, uh, <clears throat> Donovan. All right, so we're gonna go to uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Unlimited number twelve, and Josh has the recap for this one. Oh man, are we really doing this one first? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, have, we have to. They're in order. <laughs> so yeah. be it. Yeah. All right. So uh, written, uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give it who was written. Written by, written by, written by Evan. One, written, uh, illustrated <laughs> by no one. Illustrated by a lot of people. Illustrated by like an entire like you know classroom of people. Yeah. Like, was it three pencilers and six inkers or something? Stephen like Butler, an A student, and yeah. a bunch of D, D students. Well, actually, um, like, Evan Skolik did actually wrote the whole issue, but Paris, Carino, Stephen Butler, and Gene Geiger are actually the artists. You know how, like, on that '70s show, they'd have that circle where, like, everyone would, like, you know, pass the joint around. Yeah, that's how that, that's how this issue was drawn. Except, like, instead of passing a joint around, they like passed a pencil. It's like here, you do a panel. Now you do a panel. So now my you high do sc- a panel. Now you do a panel. So my <laughs> high school years are much more fun than making this comic. I wonder what it looked like when I do it. Actually, Josh, to be a, you know, this is gonna sound kind of weird. Have you actually ever tried doing that? It's a lot of fun when you do an artist jam like that. But anyway, that's not, you, know, that's the, you, you know what would have made an artist jam more fun? 
having consistent artists with consistent <laughs> styles and consistent <laughs> quality. I mean, artist jam is fun, not if you're publishing it as a comic book. <laughs> yeah, well, also, I want to point out to this because there's actually four different artists for this book because your cover artist is Steve Skaros, who does Amazing Spider-Man after um, two that? issues of Ron Garney. Yeah, oh. he does. He does actually. He actually does the um, the Revelation issue of Amazing. Oh, so he does yeah. And this artist uh, Paris Carinos, um, he actually was the guy that did Web of Scarlet Spider. Stephen Butler did Web of Spider-Man, and Steve Geiger. I don't think has ever done anything else. Well, Butler been. We've not seen him in a while. <laughs> I'm glad you asked because I actually looked this up. You guys ready for this? I pulled out the sheet of paper. The mystery. Okay, he's been gone since uh, Web 129 when they when they finished Time Bomb, right? That was in a, right. that was in a cover date of October '95. What what he cover was too date? Too horrified. This one is. This is May of '96. Okay, so he's been gone for a few months. What he's been doing in the meantime is, <laughs> you ready? He's been doing Marvel's Ultra Force comics. Oh, 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 oh. oh that's right. He did the first four issues of that. Oh. <laughs> and then and then I was curious, so I looked it up. Because I'm like, I think this is the last thing he did for, for Spider-Man for sure, and probably for Marvel. I looked it up. He freelanced a couple of things for Marvel and DC. Like He did a couple of Superman issues. And he did like a couple of random, I think an X-Men book and something else. He did Archie, didn't he? He yeah, did a well, Batman comic. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Yeah, he did a couple of things for DC, a couple of things for Marvel, and then he went to uh, he went to Archie Comics in '98 and started doing the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. He does. Yeah, I, I have. A, I actually have those issues, and those are that's, it's really good artwork. I never thought it would be him. I mean, not that he's a bad artist, but like his, his artwork doesn't on Sonic doesn't scream his stuff on Spider Man, but it's really dynamic. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning he's still there to this day. He still does, contributes artwork to Sonic the Hedgehog. That book still goes on. I'm glad, I'm glad he found a good home. And of course, and and Zach was right. He did do some Archie stuff. I remember when they when they did that redesign thing with when they tried to turn Archie. Realistic, oh. That was him. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> well, I, I can tell you. Yeah, that like, was him. His arc in Sonic was like like uh, one of the Death Egg and Space arcs, where like uh, Robotic comes back from the grave again and reveals that he roboticized Sonic's parents and his uncle and his like and his dog, <laughs> whatever. Well, again, he worked on it for years. He was a regular artist from like '98 until like maybe 2005, and he still does work today. Honestly, so I think like, I, I I fall I fall behind on Sonic comics, but like he's one of the best artists that, that did that character. Mm-hmm. It really was. Surprisingly, I, I always assume people remembered him for Web of Spider-Man, but no, he's actually more famous as the artist of Sonic the Hedgehog. Things you'll learn. Um, and just a couple of random little pieces of tidbits I did not know. Uh, Web 117 was not his first Spider-Man story. Go on. ASM 123? No. He did two fill-in Spider-Man issues before that. He did Web of Spider-Man 81, and he did Spider-Man Unlimited oh. number two. Uh, oh, not not Maximum Carnage, was it? No, no, there were two stories. The first one was Maximum Carnage. The second one he drew. Oh, okay. okay. Did the backup? Okay, and then, they always uh, used to do backups. They used to do like tons well, of I call it a you call of, it a backup, no but it was like the same. Yeah, it was like the same length as the Maximum Carnage story. I think though. Oh, okay. Like, it was Don't a, call it, it a like, backup. It was like a co-feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. The, the, those stories usually sucked. Like that one where it's like you know Mary Jane yeah. worries about Peter, and the criminal's wife worries about him too. They're not so. <laughs> yeah, we covered it on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was the last good. Story. That was the last really good Sal Buscema artwork because they let him in <laughs> himself. 
<laughs> and also, uh, don't quote me on this, that web fill-in, I think, was right after Conway's run finished. I think. And that's when uh, they had uh, Kurt Busiek, I think, was doing... Or maybe that was shortly after... Uh, Cap- was that, no, was that Mac? Kurt Busiek did, like, one or two fill-in issues, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Conway's run ended, and then JMD Mateus uh, took over Spectacular. Because Conway was doing Spectacular and Web. Yeah, this is what actually. I, I'm I'm slightly wrong. It was a little after uh, Cav. This is a fill-in during Kavanaugh and Zavix run. Might be it. No, okay. Spider history brought to you by Spider.com. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, wait, it, really? no, that, that is interesting. We we, we like that it, guy. We're it, like, whatever happened to him? The original <laughs> Stephen Butler costume. <laughs> I, I, I actually looked up the timelines for these things. Web eighty one was right before he started doing Silver Sable. So I'm guessing that was like a tryout. I could totally see him on Silver Sable. Yeah, he did. He did the Silver Sable in the Wild Pack series for like two years or something, and then he did. I think that fill in on Unlimited Two, and I think that might have been his tryout to become the artist on the Web because that was shortly afterwards. Because yeah, he he directly replaced Savick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so I'm guessing both times that he did those Spider Man single issues were both uh, tests to see if he could handle it. There you go. All right, so, uh, Josh? It's called Grave Matters, and on the cover we have the Beetle and Boomerang, who gangbang Spidey off-panel this <laughs> issue, with with the Jack-O-Lantern, who has a huge bulbous head. and um, the, Facial the expressions of, somehow. The, ta- the tail of Scorpia. Yeah, yeah, with, with facial expressions. Uh, this is a really bad cover. I'm not going to mince words, you know? Just look at everyone's facial expressions. It's called Grave Matters, but I have a better name for this issue called I Have a Bone to pick with you uh, uh, oh, hey guys so um what's been going on since our last you know issues well apparently everyone is still all up in everyone's business about this skeleton and nobody will shut up about it so spider ben's just you know yeah. swinging why along. do they care so much <laughs> <laughs> jay jonah jameson's like I i'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars and i will give you one hundred thousand dollars. Wait, 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 wait. So Spider Man steals a space rock and he offers a million dollar reward, but he may have murdered someone and it's only a hundred thousand dollars. To be Spider-Man fair, those are different continuities. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like Promethean X is yeah, is, is a big deal. <laughs> Classic the streams there to the shit. But wait, is it it's a hundred thousand, right? It, it, yeah. it is because, 100,000. Because there is actually an error in the artwork that, that there's a newspaper that says it's 10,000. He, he went down price. Price. He got <laughs> cheap. <laughs> he, he, he knew that the arc was wrapping up, so he's like, all right, you know, interest is dying down. I better make this, you know, like 90% off. So, you know, Spider-Man is swinging around, and he can't do his usual exposition about, you know, how he was on the run for five years because he's being attacked by the Beetle and Boomerang and, um, and Shocker. And Jack-O-Lantern. And Scorpia. And they're all going to team up on him. Shit's going down. This is going to be epic. And Don't then, call her names. And then and then <sighs> you turn the page and he's already home and the fight's over. Um, oh, uh, you also forgot a very important po- point to that. Uh, uh, Does she have a different character design? Uh, no, no, no. Um, he references that awesome uh, Unlimited 9 the Mark of Cain fiasco with the Cain, <laughs> our all time favorite panel. Spider-Man costume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Did he really? Over his cane. Yeah, he, 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 he was just like, Hey, I thought you in that issue. 
Um, yeah, so then he gets, uh, but then, you know, the, the fight was off panel, which I'll, I guess I'll get into when we talk about our thoughts for the issue, but I have a lot of things to say about that. Then he gets home and then says, all right, readers, um, let me recap the entire clone saga for you because, uh, we haven't done that in a few weeks. Meanwhile, Peter and Mary Jane are having breakfast in bed, not recapping the entire clone saga when he's called into J Jonah Jameson's office where he meets, you know, um, if this was like a Scooby-Doo episode, this would be like meeting the two suspects because like they're, they're just introduced, you know, so blatantly like that. The cop who's like telling Jonah, oh, I don't like you doing this reward thing, but, you know, I'm going to let this play out because we don't have any other leads. That's honestly how the conversation goes down. And Dr. Holkar, who has a machine that can, you know, reconstruct your face from your skeleton. And he's going to virtual reality. <laughs> virtual reality not again <laughs> <laughs> and they tested on peter just to like you know uh j- just just to show you that this machine is reliable so remember guys this guy actually got this thing to work you know he's actually a very brilliant scientist it would be a shame if something was to happen that would ruin his career <laughs> on a machine that would have many practical <laughs> uses uh so I'll Ben's like, going. yeah, Ben's like, man, I'm really worried about the skeleton thing. I better go check on Mary Jane and Peter and Peter's not there. So Mary Jane's like, what's wrong, Ben? Um, nothing. Never mind. Which ticks Mary Jane off a little bit, but whatever. So Peter, uh, leaves the daily bugle when he's kidnapped by some nineties Scarlet spider title. Great game reject. What was his name? Oh, he was the pro. Yeah. And, and he steals, um, <laughs> yeah. I know what you're laughing at, Don. <laughs> something in the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> he steals um, a page from uh, the Jackal's book in the Bronze Age and attaches a bomb to Peter. And he's like, if you don't bring me to the skeleton, um, I'm going to blow you up. So Peter's like, well, I guess what choice do I have? So he actually takes him to the skeleton and digs it up. And then Peter's like, you're just going to leave me here to die? And he's like, why no? I'm a man of honor. And he like unlatches the bomb. And then Spider-Man, who had been telling them, you know, chooses this point to beat the pro up and try and recover the skeleton. But then, you know, I, I guess are we going to call them the Sinister Syndicate? You know, they I was going to ask that question. Like, are, they, are they a team in this? I don't know. <laughs> um, and they're drawn much better. I think technically they are. It's, they're it's towards the end of the book. So, um, the Sinister Five, really. Well, Sinister Syndicate is like not the Sinister Six, but it's like or the Sin- or the Lethal Foes of Spider Man or Deadly Foes right, of Spider Man. Right. But there's no so, Rhino, so I guess not. So every everyone wants the skeleton and there's a big fight and everyone gets beat up. Um and then and then Peter takes a shovel and hits the pro in the back of the head with it. And then the police arrive, the same one that was telling Jonah, you know, I don't like you doing this reward, but I kinda wanna see how it's played out. And then like Peter looks at Spider Man, he's like, It's okay, give them the skeleton. Just give it to them. It's the only way to end this. So they take the gamble. At this point in the book, the artwork's really good because now Stephen Butler's drawing it. So hooray for that. So the guy takes the skeleton and puts it in his, like, reconstructive machine thing. And it reveals the face of Peter Parker. (laughs) Big old head. (laughs) The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And it's like, ah. Totally is. And it's like, and it's like, you fool, you know, like, uh, it's obviously because you tested Peter's like skull earlier, your machine's broken. He's like, no, let me test it again. And then the cop's like, I'm afraid you've wasted everyone's time. Let's consider this matter closed and never brought up again. And then as Spider-Man at one point says, oh, by the way, um, the costume came from a Halloween costume. So, you know, <laughs> and they just took his word for it. I love that. <laughs> He's like, I tested this. So, you know, a man who has an invention that can be used to identify, you know, remains of loved ones and like, you know, give closure to many families and solve murders. Um, 
<laughs> that machine will that machine will be ruined forever. But hey, Peter and Ben's secret is safe. And they have a quiet look at each other, you know, to the camera. And then go to a restaurant and loudly talk about this as they give a toast. (laughs) 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 Let us all get drunk and play ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're at the restaurant. They're talking about this at, like, what I'm assuming is normal volume laughing. It's like, you can see, like, you know, a bartender and, like, a waitress. Like, Urgent's wearing, like, a black cat choker. And, and she's like, I'm going to hit you both in the head so hard you, you'll think you're both clones. <laughs> <laughs> what a laugh. And all of a sudden, Peter Peter's like, clone. I just found out that I was a clone after five years. Ben Riley was on the run. It's like, Peter, you're flashing back again. Sorry. Sorry. You, 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 you said clone. I had to go through a whole two-page you know, uh, recap. I, I, I need to start letting off. Next drugs. time he does that, it needs to have some floating heads of gills, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so... um. So, Josh, give us your give us your uh, thoughts on this. I don't know if it's fair to say rip off Thanks. because like the Jackal story was done in the seventies with the bomb thing, but it did remind me of that. But okay, I'll give them a pass for that. I don't give them a pass for like having setting up this fight and then having it happen off panel because it, it's not like it's the Grizzly and Leapfrog and stuff. Like you know, at least Shocker should be able to give Spider Man a run for his money. Um, do any of you remember that, like, big essay that Tom Brevoort did, like, during the start of Brand New Day about, like, what need to be fixed in the Spider-Man books? I know exactly what you're going to say. One of the things he talked about in there was that, like, a lot of villains, like, had been decreased to, like, D-listers because their motivations and their threat level, like, had just kind of fallen off for a while. And he said that, like, in Spider-Man books, if a villain showed up, they had to have a specific purpose to the story and like a motivation. And this is how that stuff happens. This is how villains become D listers. When like you have a villain that used to give Spider-Man a run for his money, show up and then just get defeated off panel, like between a thing. And this wasn't one villain. This was like, you know, there was like three people about to like gangbang him together. You can't, you can't do that. Um, I didn't like being consistent. I was going to say, it's even worse because that same group shows up at the end to fight him again. And you're like, he beat them all off panel. There's no threat. <laughs> he beat them all the in the gangbang. Yeah. We, we talk about similarities, too. Did anyone, and maybe I just read too much old Spider-Man, did anyone else get, like, an amazing Spider-Man issue 25 vibe? Like, with the whole, you know, like, Jameson hiring this scientist thing. Um, did, did that remind anyone of, like, I mean, he's done, that for, he's, in, he's done that since then, so not specifically. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I, I do have a problem, as I stated in the recap, how, like, Spider-Man and Ben basically, like, ruined this guy's career. He wasn't an evil guy. His machine wasn't going to hurt nobody. He was probably going to help people, but, like... Yeah, the whole plot of this thing... Holy was crap, Spider-Man is a menace. Jameson was right. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, like, the whole, kind the whole of. plot of this, of this book is to, is to uh, basically, Evan, the poor... <laughs> the guy that's not even a, a, a main core title writer gets tasked with wrapping up this this subplot that nobody thought anything through about and he yeah. he has to, he has to try to find a resolution to it and speaking of resolution it felt like they needed some more tension in here so like mary jane is mad at ben riley for like no reason in the middle of the book but then like you know it's all resolved when they loudly blab their secret identities at dinner at the end it's like i must tell peter and mary jane something oh i don't want to worry mary jane you know, never mind. Now she's going to be like, even though, even though she's like eight, you know, like six, seven months pregnant, and like 
You don't want to terrify the poor woman. And then what do you do? You sit there and tap on the window. Like, what, what an asshole. Well, she's not <laughs> used to the window taps. It's, I don't know. It's just like, th- that That felt very contrived to me. That like, They replaced yeah. worrying, uh, try not to worry Aunt May with try not to worry pregnant Mary Jane. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you know, the basic skeleton of the story, no pun intended, I just realized that. But seriously, like, the skeleton of the story, which, you know, the plot of wrapping up the skeleton thing and putting it to bed for good, and the whole, you know, um... I don't like the pro. He could have been replaced with any other villain, but I like the whole idea of putting, you know, civilian powerless Peter Parker in jeopardy and Ben following him and Peter having to think on his feet in that hostage situation. Like that stuff was fun. You know, that stuff was fun. Spider-Man. I just think that the, you know, that the muscle of the story wasn't as good as the skeleton, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh, and the inconsistent arts like killed this for me because you had some really good like Stephen Butler art. Then you had some like horrible like stuff on on other pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, the 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 latter half of the book, the moment that Stephen Butler takes over, infinitely better. It almost looks like Bagley. It's so good. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, um. Let's go with the Jorah. <laughs> you pulled a swerve there, Zach. I thought you were gonna yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. when you play Duck Duck Goose and you want to like fake someone out. You're like Duck Duck Good Duck. <laughs> I, I was gonna say Goose asshole. Uh, yeah, I gotta second the thing on the art, man. It was so bad. And then towards the end, uh, you get some good. Basically, the entire end fight, I think, is Stephen Butler art. And then you get another artist at the end who's not terrible, but he seems he swipes a couple of John Romita Sr. panels in there. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like that, uh-huh. that second to last page with Peter, right? Well, yeah, that one's a blatant one. There's also one with Mary Jane a few pages earlier where they have the bottom is just a whole bunch of like panels where everybody like, <gasps> like waiting for the thing. It's like there's a very blatant uh, senior swipe in there, too. I'm sorry. But like... Yeah, bad, bad art. Um, the when he does that recap in the middle, it sort of drives home how stupid this plot is when you, when you think about it. Because they bring up like, okay, so the whole thing with the skeleton is that that they that Peter took a picture of Ben with the skeleton, so they just assume that Spider Man had something to do with killing a guy in a Spider Man cut. Like, basically, they created their own problem and then had to solve it. But in, like, a really stupid way. <laughs> Where yeah. it's like, how do you have any... Like, like if they, they got busted during this, you'd be like, you, you dumbasses brought this upon yourself. Like, you were it. And and the ending was especially bad because, like, they turn it into, like, a media event that, like, the scientist is like, okay, now I'm going to reveal who the skeleton is. Like, what was the... Usually that would be done behind... Like, that would be done behind closed doors. Right. They would deliver the results to, like, the press. Like Right, but, like, what was the end game of that? Because uh, the best-case scenario is, like, all right, Spider-Man is some guy. Like, you weren't going to recognize who it was. It was going to be some guy. But it wasn't even Spider-Man. It was, like, who did Spider-Man kill? Right. It's just, like, Spider-Man killed some guy. Okay, we knew that already. (laughs) This sounds like like something you would see on... That's where he went. Yeah, um, this sounds like something you would see on uh, like Inside Edition. Well, remember Except all those that Inside cool, like, Edition, Spider-Man killed been... this week. 
But no, but Inside Edition would have had this happen like in a lab somewhere, and then they would be like, and our stuff we found that you know the right. DNA Remember all those murder trials where like they did the DNA testing live on camera in front of reporters. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Also, <laughs> uh, also ten weeks. Also, uh, they keep overselling how incredible and revolutionary it is that the skeleton reconstructed like who the the body was. They already did that in an event, and like didn't the Avengers do that like two issues ago? Yeah, back in uh, Web of Carnage. So why is Spi- why is Spider Man so like impressed by this? He's already seen it once. Mm, I understand like why the general public would be like, "Holy crap!" There's you could reconstruct bodies from skeletons, but like in almost the exact same way. Because didn't the Avengers thing some hologram? That's stuff, another dude? reason why it reminded me of issue twenty five of Amazing because they did that same thing where it's like here tested on Parker, and then yeah. like. And then when it goes off for real, they're like, oh, it must be a glitch because you were holding the spiders before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it is the same story beat somewhat. But again, like it, it's 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 a different story. So I give it a pass somewhat. But right. So, yeah, this was bad. Um, I'm giving I'm going to give this a, a pass like, or, or, or not F basically for a couple of reasons. Um, there's this really stupid line that the shocker has early in the issue where like, um. Oh, what was it? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, ben starts swinging away from him when he sees the shocker standing on the street. And the shocker yells out, Get back here, you coward. I can't fly. Which is kind of- <laughs> <laughs> he legit says this. This is one of the dumbest lines I've ever said in a comic book. <laughs> like, holy smack. And at the very least, this ended the stupid skeleton thing. So we don't have to deal with it anymore. I'm and sure- it will never be referenced again. Well, until well, no, actually, <laughs> revelations. <laughs> Yeah, Zach, they reference it in the next issue. It's not even like... They'll, uh, they'll reference it, but at least we don't have to deal with this stupid mystery anymore, which just ended up going nowhere, so... Yeah, I have a couple of really random stupid things written down that's going to blow her eye real fast, okay? That's what she said. <laughs> <sighs> okay, um, the, the, you know the little thing with the credits? Some dummy actually tried to make it match the background except they put it in the wrong place so the credits are like in perspective but the but the actual billboard they're on is flat i got yeah that's 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 really bad (laughs) that's like really silly who did that um there's a newspaper like i I mentioned this earlier when he goes back to his apartment the newspaper on the floor says that the the reward is ten thousand dollars instead of a hundred Yep. Some some fool, what fool drew that? Um, there's the, the when the detective shows up. Why does her shirt have a boob window? Yeah. <laughs> also, when she shows up, that first artist draw her, draws her head like she's from Easter Island or something. Like it's crazy. That hairstyle is now back in style. Her her head looks like a like a like, a, like a, an eraser. It does. It totally does. Or, or that uh, that bill from Just a Bill that that house uh, she, She's folded up. I'm just a bill. <laughs> on Capitol Hill. Uh, I like the bit where where Ben swinging overhead and somehow he knows that the Peter the the collar around Peter's neck is explosive, just because. Well, Spider's just buzzing. He does say that's that's the reason, right? Well, he gives a reason. He's like, um, th- my spider sense is too strong for the gun. It must be something else. It's obviously some si- some kind of bomb. My spider sense wouldn't buzz so strongly if the pro had just a gun trained on Peter. So he's just he's just imagining that it's not a knife. I, 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 it's weird. Um, 
the pro this is my favorite part of the issue and i mean that sarcastically of course the pro <laughs> looks at the skeleton and he knows it's real because he memorized the dental records and he oh, knows just, and he knows from looking at it that it matches oh my god you guys caught that right <laughs> like oh yes i'm not crazy i, I noticed it, but like i i brushed by it like i'm not crazy this happened like there's even a panel where he's dramatically holding it like you know alas poriotic i knew him Horatio. like you know like straight up like <laughs> stuff. Like he's holding it and looking at it he's like this 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 thing is real wait a minute <laughs> what if he's able to memorize the dental records then like wouldn't that be enough for them to, like, information for them to put in that scientist, like, doohickey machine? Can't he just, like, you know, 3D print something? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. You're putting logic in this. <laughs> um, also, like, uh, th- they don't need an actual skeleton. <laughs> right. Also, also, the pro uh, tranquilizes the shocker, but and this is just, like, a little question that I had. Uh, isn't the shocker's suit padded? How did the trank dart actually bust his suit? Um, well, it's it's padded like with like it's not it's not Kevlar, it's like Velcro, right, or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's like Kevlar thick, because isn't that the whole point of having a padded suit? Because to protect him from the the shock vibrations. I, 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 it 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 looks, that's the whole reason it looks like a quilt. Well, I mean, in, in, in this '90s era, it just looks like a skin type like pattern. But like, but like the idea of his costume is supposed to be like it's supposed to be like a quilted pattern, like you're saying. I think it's just kind of. I, I would imagine if it was like a dart, like a needle. It would it would be this, his costume's porous enough where it would pass through it. But I see what you're saying that like ideally with the the idea of his costume that shouldn't be a thing. It looked like he killed him, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah when, they, when he does shoot him, I thought he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> Herman, no. <laughs> 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 Herman, it's like when I read it when I was back when I was a kid. I straight up thought he got he killed the shocker. <laughs> so when the shocker shows back up and like blast so bro, shocker... rip my suits, gonna blow. <laughs> awesome. Also, so uh, when the shocker shows back up during the Ver- Spider-Man Vertigo, Howard Mackey, John Romita Jr. run, I was like, oh, hey, when he has like a Rob Zombie beard. You may remember that. <laughs> yes. I have no idea what you're... That's, that's not the one with the, with the face spot, Pete, right? No, that was um. Which I love. Uh, that was that was a few issues before that, yeah. And the last thing, there's a really lame Beatles joke in here, but I forgot to write it down. Sorry, Josh. I, I, I don't even remember it. It must have, like, slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. It wasn't important enough to write down. So, yeah, this is bad. But at least Most the Beatles got... jokes make me groan anyway. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone, like, looks at me during them like, ah, ah. <laughs> like, like as, as, if, as if, like, huh, you must be really appreciating this, Josh. And, like, usually it's something stupid. Well, sometimes you, sometimes you do. <laughs> When you say when you get a chance to say it first, but <laughs> but yeah, this is this is bad. But I'm not giving it an F because at least it ended the skeleton thing, so I'm giving it a D. <laughs> so the end result Ouch. is like it saves it from being an F. I think this all is right. the only non-F I might have given an unlimited issue. Now that I think about it, because they've all yeah. been pretty bad. They've been all pretty uh-huh. bad. And don't get me wrong, this one's bad too. <laughs> Just less bad. All right, Greg. Well, I'm going to quote what Josh said earlier. Peter and Ben create this problem for themselves and then solve it in the stupidest way. Marvel created a problem for themselves, this entire skeleton thing, and then solved it in the stupidest way. I don't really know what else to say about this entire thing. It was the skeleton arc has been awful, and this issue is awful. Some of the art was really good, so that's why I'm not giving it an F, because, like you said, some of it looked very baggly-ish, but my God, I mean, just... I hated the entire skeleton thing. I really did. 
Yeah, you could tell that the art began to deteriorate. Like, <laughs> if you look at the last four pages before, or really the last like six pages, or no, 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 like the last eight pages before, um, uh, Butler. Butler takes over. Like, look at that artwork; it's horrendous. Yeah. I mean, and this and this issue is so bad, and there are so many logical inconsistencies that, believe it or not, this is my first time reading this issue. I m- missed it during the '90s when the Clone Saga was coming out, so, oh, so I never quite, so I never quite knew how the skeleton arc ended. I never particularly cared either, but so I'm reading this, and I'm, and the issue is so bad, and there's so many contrivances that at one point I'm thinking, okay, they're going to reveal that the skeleton is actually a plastic Halloween prop skeleton, and I think that would have made more logical sense than what they did at the end. At least nobody's life would have been ruined for no reason. (laughs) Might not have been a prop skeleton, but it was a prop costume, according to (laughs) Ben. And they believed him. Oh, God. Alright. So I give it it a D-. You got a D-, a D, and a D from Josh? I'm going to give it a B. It would be a C, but it gets a bit of a grading curve because it's 90s. You know, what? so like, yeah. well, no, like, 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 basically, like, I'm grading it against, like, everything else that was that decade. So, like, you know, some of the 90s sensibilities, I'm not going to fault it for. Like, it, it, it's it's gr- being gr- done on a grading curve. So, so you're giving B. it a B? A B? Wow. Well, I said I said that the story itself was, like, fun enough. The stuff that I didn't like was all, like different stuff scattered throughout it, but there was nothing like incredibly stupid or insulting or like super plot holy. Well, wow. Uh, and Don, what's your grade? Uh, my God. Um, <laughs> take that. I have, I don't have much to say about this issue. Um, I can't jump, jump up a lot of energy for it because it's a kind of like nineties comic where like, here's, there's a lot of, of clones, like issues where like a bunch of villains are like just chasing something. There's always this, this MacGuffin or Peter Parker or something where they're just kind of just chasing after them. And so there's a lot of like artificial energy and their determination to like get it for money or whatever that you really can't get it. That's like, it's kind of the worst way to do a supervillain, I think, because if you're going to have them all team up and have them chase over the same thing, it's kind of just they, they're just kind of stand-ins for you know rote bad guys. You don't really you're, you're not really utilizing their personalities or their powers all that much, but. I don't know, but at the same time, that was so common with like these kind of Spider-Man stories of this decade that like I, I think it is, I think it's pretty lousy. I think it's kind of bad, but it's not god awful. I mean, this is this is easily like the like the least offensive unlimited issue I've read. So I'm not going to give it a B or a D or, or a D or an F. Um, I uh, the artwork in the middle half is like so immature-ish. It's like seriously, what were you thinking hiring this person? I don't know. Dude, if like it, it's this, it's it's the it's the same. It's the Paris. Grinkos or whatever his name is, and like the 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 shot where he's like been swinging through the city before, um, right after he Peter gets the collar locked on him. Does that not remind you of the Eric Canetti um, artwork from the Deadpool issue in uh, ASM six eleven? Oh no no no! It wasn't that. Well, I mean, both are pretty bad, but that Canetti stuff was just violating the laws of, of humanity. Well, well, look at the look at the head. Look at the Spider Man head. On honestly, the this at least that one had a style they could appreciate. This one seriously looks like like a kid drew it, like someone who does not does not understand how to depict you know a person. I agree like, with you on that one. It looks like fan art. Yeah, it, well, it, 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 it looks it looks like like someone who doesn't know how to like who doesn't have their own hasn't have mastered their own style. So where people look different from panel to panel, it is seriously awful artwork. I mean, this is really bad. 
you could tell he was trying to rush through and trying to try to meet a deadline. I like, can't desperate. tell. I, I don't know if he's just like incompetent or not. I really can't. Well, because because like from from the beginning of the issue all the to to that point, it seemed like the art continued to re- to regress the entire time. But but we know it's the same guy though. I'm not. Yeah, it's the sure. same. Yeah, it is the same guy because. Um, but I know I'm saying, guy, the same guy is penciling it, but but I'm saying there's different inkers. So yeah, you're getting changed from inker to inker. That also changes it. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if Hannah and and Butler were the ones that did Butler's um, inks, because they don't give you page numbers, of course, like they would have in the eighties. John Hannah is a is a professional inker, so right? Like, but but they're usually in order, and it says yeah. it's Emberlin, Fisher, Carudos, Hannah, Milgram, and then Butler. So I'm guessing, uh, I'm going to guess the first couple of few pages. It was started with Hannah. Yeah, I'm guessing it's it's probably Emberlin at the start, and then Fisher and Caruno's inking his own stuff. Then probably Butler is inking his own work, maybe with a little Hannah in there, and then I don't know. Like it's it's hard to figure out, but it's all over yeah. the place. Well, you, but the thing uh, is, the like, 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 go ahead, John. Well, I mean, um, it's very much what I'm saying this issue, like. I mean, I, I, honestly, I was like half, half paying attention to it. Come on, you got I, 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 kind of like I could just kind of read it like it wasn't oh, a very engaging story. What the hell's going on with Don's connection right now? Is, am oh, I yeah. the only one hearing this? Yeah, I yeah, heard he, that. He, he was That's Mr. why I made the Mr. Roboto voice. Oh, am song. I sounding bad? Oh, now yeah, you're, oh, you're, you're, you're better now. You're good now. But you were, you were C-3PO, human cyborg relations. What am I saying is that, like, I can kind of tell, skimming the issue beforehand, that... It wasn't going to be a very engaging storyline, so I was half paying attention. Um, the, the Stephen Butler arc is such a is such a breath of fresh air, but near the end, like when Gerard pointed out, I started noticing that like there were some straight up swipes from other artists. I mean, he mentioned John Romita Senior. Like, like there's a couple of shots of Spiderman that that are that they're Mark Bagley. That's not Stephen Butler, and I don't know if that I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I really don't like like were they was this issue that rushed? But um, probably. I mean, I'm kind of annoyed that like this whole skeleton business was was treated so seriously. One thing that I was starting to think like, wouldn't J. Jonah Jameson says, wait a minute, didn't I see a picture of Spider-Man holding like what seemed to be a dead Peter Parker several years ago? This kind of reminds me of that. Could this be the same? I, I, don't know, I mean, I'm not saying he should well, connect the and, dots. And where was but, the, and where was that picture taken? And where was the skeleton found? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not a, a big issue, but I thought that you know this this saga is so continuity heavy that like you know, I thought that would have been brought up. Um, it's a very very typical issue of the Clone Saga, and and like and, and at its most unengaging. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's not bad, but it's not great either. It's 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 kind of really middle of the road for me, and um, I'm kind of I, I think the thing that annoys me most is how pleased with itself it is. Like more, more fucking scientists. Sorry. Well, it's like you know, there's more of like you know, virtual reality. There's more multiple bad guys. There's more new characters that we're not going to see. Like this, this female cop. There's more like I don't know, like like oh, you know, we sure escaped this one clone of mine. Ha ha ha. Like there's a lot of repeated beats that we've seen from other from lesser stories. That there's no real, the some of the parts don't really add to a very satisfying whole. And but do you think? Do you think that's that's just a, a measure of the incompetence of how it was written, or do you think it was just we're in a hurry. Let's just grab whatever we think will work. 
I think it's why just not, why it's, not both. It's an it's endemic of a very lazy attitude that's permeated the Spider-Man line. I mean, I generally like the Spider-Man era that we've done so far. I've given them all pretty highly, but this issue just feels like of of, of its time where it's like you know we're going we're going to put an issue. We think this is entertaining, but really we've done so much better than this before, and this will, this gets the job done. And it's more of the attitude that the issue gives off rather than the issue's own personal quality that that I think it annoys me the most. Which is kind of you know kind of a su- subjective personal thing to say, but I, 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 it's almost smug in how average it is. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give it like a, a straight middle of the road C, although it's kind of a testy C for me. I forgot to bring something up too, by the way. Um, when they show Peter's face, let me read the dialogue. Look, it's that guy on stage, the photographer. What's his name? Freelance guy wrote that web's book. Parker, that's it, Peter Parker. Let me just remind everyone that um. The Here's trial of Peter Parker, Parker like was probably like in Marvel <laughs> Universe time a few weeks ago. And according to that <laughs> argument that Robbie and Jonah had, every single paper like in New York City, like but the Daily Bugle had the Parker trial as front page news. So like, hey, look, it's that guy that was just all over the news a few weeks ago, like for being on trial for murder. That's already been forgotten. They're like, uh, <laughs> didn't he write that Webb's book? What was his name again? Oh, in yeah, real time, yeah. would, would have this been like a year after that story was printed? Yes. A year, but like, yeah, in the Marvel Universe, this was yeah. like weeks ago. It would be yeah. like if Tim Davis weeks was a little like up on stage and they were like, yeah. oh, it's that one county clerk. What's her name? Well, it must have been months because of we're going by Mary Jane's level of pregnancy, I guess. But still, it's within it's less than a year for sure. So and like, it was it was front page news on multiple newspapers. Right. Well, that, yeah, that, uh, like, by the way, either there. Uh, just just a question for the panel. Uh, does the the point where Peter's standing in front of the 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 Wizard of Oz, Peter Parker head, does the eyes not look like he's either drunk or like come hither? <laughs> it kind of creeps me out. Well, again, we're, 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 if you're going to pick apart the artwork and stuff, you'll be here all night. If we're going to pick apart the artwork, talk about how when he first goes in the machine at the beginning of the story, his jacket changes colors. <laughs> his forehead. Many times, and honestly, is, the more I'm looking at that, that that clearly Ramita Senior uh, image of him at the end is bothering because it, it almost looks like it was Elmer glued into the comic book. I was just gonna say that I'm not even <laughs> sure that was drawn. That looked like it was a paste up. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the head was so bad that the artist actually drew in there that they compared to everything else in the issue, though I don't know. But look at look at the delineation of his nose. Like you can see, it's kind of like a white outline if you if you squint your eyes. Plus, it's, plus, plus it's blurry. It's the only thing yeah, in the panel that's blurred out. The focus is complete. And like, honestly, that that, that uh, <laughs> it's like Stephen Butler. Or it looks like Bagley as well. That Spider Man. It's like, like those old Marvel like TV shows from the sixties where like the comic book <laughs> is like pasted on the screen. There's a couple of Spidey back. Spider-Man's here, and definitely like uh, uh, the Ramita Senior Peter, and and Gerard pointed out Mary Jane potentially as well. Um, and again, yeah. I don't know if it, it, I don't know if that bothers me or not because those are great artists, but at the same time, those it's, it's clearly you know emblematic of like hatchwork. Well, here's the thing: if you're gonna swipe an artist, at least swipe them for every appearance of that. Like having Mary Jane look like a Ramita Senior Mary Jane for one panel, and then go back to looking how she did otherwise is just weird. Like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna start swiping, just go whole, whole hog and just swipe every panel of the appearance. Yeah, be, because Bob she doesn't. Be, 
<laughs> I said she swipe. Does. I didn't say blatantly rob people by having them draw it and not give them credit. Jeez. No, Bob um, didn't like swipe people like towards the end too. Like well, towards the beginning. That's true. Well, the like, first issue that Batman was Detective Twenty Seven is the, straight up redraw of, of Todd story. McFarlane like swipes that like Bob Kane or Bob Kane ghosts like were you know did that were being yeah. sold at Comic Con. And this guy was like telling Don and I, no, man, I went to Bob Kane's house. I saw this. He drew it himself. And I'm like, oh, I know. It's so awkward. It's clearly the Spider-Man issue one cover from McFarlane, but okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, Okay, so Don. On the subject of the murder thing, by the way, like for the rest of Peter Parker's life, people would be bringing up that he was on trial for murder. And it's never been brought up. How long was that trial, though? Was 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 that like two weeks in itself? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. Because, yeah, it's tricky because in real life, a trial like that would probably take months. Yeah, but it, like, it, it really like, like in the close like that that did not last very long. No, no. And remember, this is also in the same period of time where the OJ trial happened, which I guess is what they probably were going for. Which is right? really and disrespectful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when Jonah fired Peter on live TV during Brand New Day, wouldn't like people be like, "Oh, I remember you. You were the guy that was on trial for murder." Or like during Parker Industries, now wouldn't people be making like jokes about like, "Haha, the CEO of that company killed a guy." Yeah. <laughs> like Peter Parker has a very inconsistent level of fame. Like, like now he's like a a millionaire CEO. But would people actually know who that is? Who he is? Oh, the Marvel Universe doesn't care about trials. Norman Osborn didn't get a trial. He's still yeah. trying it once. Because he's white. <laughs> oh my That's the reason why Stark wasn't put up on, on war crimes in Avengers 2, creating Ultron. Because he's rich. <laughs> then again, it could be worse. I mean, Peter did win that Pulitzer that didn't count, I guess. With the, yeah, was, century. the century. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That blows. He won. He won the Pulitzer Prize for taking a picture of the Sentry, but I guess because uh, once at the end of the story they wiped the memory of the Sentry from everybody, it basically wiped out anyone remembering that Peter Parker won the Pulitzer Prize. Was Why it still in his house? No. I don't know. Did the thing just physically disappear? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He he probably saw it. Was like, how the fuck did this get here? I do like that. Like like the big old like you know the big old Parker head has like a facial expression. It's not just a blank image. He's like he is making a face. He's like, look at me. <laughs> He's like, guys. Like, What's up, guys? What's going on? <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll wrap up this issue. If if uh, please Don, Don Don if you don't have any more thoughts. Um. I liked the second half of the uh, book in terms of artwork, as I as I've mentioned throughout kind of throughout everybody else's thoughts. Um, the the artwork progressively got worse halfway through, and to the point where B- when Butler takes over, it's like, oh, what a thank God, because this is the same artist remember that did all four issues of Web of Scarlet Spider. Remember, we really didn't like those uh, that artwork back then either. So, um, not a fan of this guy's artwork. Um, but I, like I say, I really like what what Butler did. Butler, I thought, brought a, an energy to the to the book that was previously lacking. Um, I really uh, enjoyed how he, I, I enjoyed him drawing the Ben Riley as Spider Man suit. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, it looked really good drawn by him, and I wouldn't have minded him being an ongoing artist uh, moving I, forward. I, I wish he had a, he had a, a more mainstream, even like on an ASM run, because he really didn't yeah. deserve it. 
Yeah, he was he was definitely a hugely talented artist, very underrated. Probably one of the more underrated artists in Spider-Man's Agreed. history. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I will agree. Uh, um, and so I, this is his. <laughs> unfortunately, he had this had to be the issue that he had to send off. But it was either this or time bomb. So, you know, what are you gonna do? But uh, I'm gonna give it a C minus. I'm not quite gonna give it a D, just because of the artwork. So. The best reviewed old unlimited issue thus far. I, I think so. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> so uh which is not saying much when C when a C minus is or no, a B is, is your highest grade. And we're all sitting sitting there thinking Bertoni's drunk. Um <laughs> I'm just in a good mood. <laughs> moving on to issue sixty nine of Adjectiveless Spider Man. He's sixty nine. Someone had to do it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I did that at the beginning of the show too. <laughs> um, Gerard yes you have the recap of this one yes I do it's Spider-Man number 69 dudes it begins with a bang not a whimper <laughs> it's written by uh, Howard Mackey oh my god what <laughs> yeah I know it's called it because yeah I know it's written by Howard Mackey uh, penciled by J.R. Jr. inked by uh, Al Williamson colored by Kevin Tinsley okay so uh, the issue begins with uh yeah, yeah, it's the Cyber Hobgoblin. Nothing you can really say to introduce it. It's just, it's just bad. It's him. It's like, 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 like it's like the worst thing ever. Don't oh, worry, you're Cyber- only going to see him once more after this. Yeah, when he did. Uh, right? I think his only other appearance after this was... Yeah, because uh, this is when he's arrested, and the next time you see him, it's his trial. And then like he gets visited in jail and, yep. like, and murdered. By Ned Lee. No. Nope. <laughs> yep, Hobgoblin lives number one. But he but he implicates Ned Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Who is like, the Hobgoblin? <laughs> Reed Hobgoblin Jason lives. Philip Mackendale, former <laughs> ex-Petty Hug, and now your husband's me. <laughs> Doesn't this Kingsley guy run a perfume factory? True story. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, Cyber Hobgoblin uh, Macadale is floating around in a, in a warehouse occupied by his Cell 12 cohorts, expressing disappointment in their performance. So he uh, floats. Uh, by the way, who is he to talk? Uh, he floats out through a skylight. <laughs> well done. <laughs> he floats out through a skylight and he leaves them a present in the form of a pumpkin bomb that apparently was like an extra stuffed one because it blows the entire warehouse to pieces and kills every member of Cell 12 that's inside. And nothing of value was lost. Exactly. Meanwhile, uh, Spider-Man interrogates slash threatens a doctor with underworld connections, desiring to know where the Hobgoblin is. Uh, uh, he does a really reckless move where he drops him and catches him with webs, and he's lucky his, nep- his neck doesn't snap as it tends to do. <laughs> Not like Gwen! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not like Gwen! That would have been really funny if he dropped it himself and then still had the PTSD. <laughs> so what hero, <laughs> hero won't let anyone fall? <laughs> the doctor uh, he wonders where uh, Spider-Man gained this knowledge of the doctor's connection to the Hobgoblin, and the comic conveniently cuts to the source: Peter Parker, who's goofing around with Mary Jane with a blonde wig. Uh, the two of them. By the way, I I got a quick uh, Glenn comment for that. Oh, <laughs> the uh, that that scene right there is was Howard Mackey's way of expressing his disdain for the idea that Ben Riley would dye his hair blonde to avoid being confused for Peter. The blonde Ben Riley idea had been pushed by Bob Ulinski and was worked into the books for Sensational Zero. And Glenn is pretty sure that Howard worked this in this bit in after Bulanski was gone. 
Wait, really? That's petty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. All right, Howard. Whatever. Again, it, where was the better idea he came up with? <clears throat> anyway, so he's goofing around Mary Jane. The two of them briefly discuss uh, the Daily Bugle while they start on walking on their way there, assuming that they're going to be heading back to Portland now that the whole skeleton business is over with. And of course, since this is the mid-90s, there's a shadowy figure that's watching them and is thinking of a vague threat to Peter, which for some reason he's like using the royal we or something. Uh, I don't know. Or if he represents a group. We don't really find out. Back back near uh, ESU's campus, Shirley is overseeing the rebuilding of the Daily Grind, which I need to point out is still burnt out. There are broken windows everywhere. Keep that in mind for later. Uh, Spider-Man appears and he tells her that uh, he plans to catch the rapscallions responsible for the fire, assuring her that Ben Riley is not the culprit. Peter and MJ arrive at the Bugle, and Peter provides convenient Marvel Encyclopedia-esque blurbs about all the various employees that are in the city room, including such luminaries as Charlie Snow and Anne McIntosh. My favorites! Yeah, who the hell are they? <laughs> I don't remember them at all. I, I, yeah. I remember the name Charlie Snow. I actually vaguely remember the name Anne McIntosh, but only, like, super vaguely. Yeah, these are like one or two appearance characters. I mean, yeah, okay. There's also like Ben Urich and Glory Grant and Betty and stuff like that. But I don't. Uh, it's actually funny because like Charlie's like Peter, good to see you. Anne's like Peter, I'm so glad to see you. Betty's like Peter, let's get dinner. And Ben's like Peter, and like he's like barely looking up from his typewriter. <laughs> ben, could give, ben could give two shits. <laughs> uh, Robbie greets them warmly, and then they enter Jonah's office, where a rather apathetic uh, Triple J is telling them that there's an opening on the photography staff, while he's also uh, basically stooging it off and saying it's Robbie's idea. He doesn't even, like, turn around and acknowledge them. What a jerk. Although I guess that makes sense after the whole fiasco in Unlimited that he would be kind of mad. <laughs> Uh, Peter and MJ contemplate the offer on their way out, but the conversation is cut short by Spider-Man, who asks Peter for some help in the in the creepiest way possible. Like they're walking out, and he flashes the spider signal on them, which he's holding in his in his hand instead of just shooting it from his belt. I don't know. He doesn't want uh, them staring at his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Someday this will all be yours. <laughs> Everything that the light touches is ours. <laughs> what about that crotch? We must never go there. 12-inch <laughs> <laughs> scroll spider. Uh, <laughs> bringing it back. Yes, to a show I was never on. Uh, down on the Lower East Side, the Hobgoblin angrily monologues to himself about being interrupted. <clears throat> Sorry, I read that wrong. Down on the Lower East Side, the Hobgoblin angrily monologues to himself before being interrupted by his mysterious cybernetic benefactor, who I'm going to call Creepy Respirator Guy. Because I don't think they ever got so, uh, I still say I still say he probably sounds like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> what a real choice, Jimmy! Oh my we god! Are doing <laughs> <nothing wrong. laughs> <What the hell>? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, a uh, creepy respirator guy uh, threatens Hobgoblin, and then he warns him that Spider-Man is coming immediately before Spider-Man arrives. That's that's really stupid. He's like, uh, that's like telling somebody, "Hey, hey, I see somebody coming. Knock on your door." Like, okay, thanks for the warning. Uh, ben, run wild, brother. Uh, quick one-sided battle ensues, and uh, Spider-Man's mopping the floor with Mackendale before trapping him in webbing. And then Mackendale, like the idiot he is, immediately confesses everything, from burning down the daily grind to, to roughing up Peter. For I know. No, for no reason at all. I know. Uh, naturally, this is all a setup by Spider-Man, who had Ben, Yurik, and Peter on the ready to document this entirely stupid confession. 
Uh, the following day, the Daily Grind has somehow reopened. Again, remember, it was still burning, like, the day before. Like, it, it, like, it was ash everywhere, the windows were all... But how this was fixed in a day, I'll never know. Unstable uh, so molecules! <laughs> it's either... Either it's, that, or, her, or he has really good insurance because she hired damage control to fix it. It's magic. That. We don't have to explain it. <laughs> that always oh, that's, works. That's new. Yeah. <laughs> well, it always works, though. Uh, the following day, again, the Daily Grind is, is having its grand reopening, and uh, Shirley tells Ben that she knew he was innocent the whole time. Uh huh. Peter and Evans <laughs> <here. laughs> Two faced little. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and MJ arrive and the three of them sit down for some coffee they tell Ben about the job offer that uh, Jonah kind of gave them and ask if he's uh, okay with them staying in the city which is confusing they ask, they actually ask Ben for permission to, to live in the city that they grew up in King what, Ben well, I, 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 I get it though like his blessing because like he's trying to reestablish his life that like Peter technically took from him as far as they know and like, right. so it's weird. I, 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 I get it. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's etiquette. Like, really, they don't have to. But like, okay, who's Darth it? Vader breathing into the mic? Like, holy shit, Kylo Ren. Greg. Stop it. Han uh, Solo. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, they asked him for permission, but before Peter can even finish asking the question, <laughs> what if Ben would have said no? <laughs> How awkward would that have been? <laughs> that would have been hilarious. That would have been great, actually. Be like, hey, can we come back a little bit? No. Oh, oh, but really? We, 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 like, we, all our stuff we, is still here? No. We, we, we were kind of expecting you to say yes. I mean, we, <laughs> honestly, yeah, this, this was more of just a gesture than anything else. Like, <laughs> and, we already, <laughs> they already made the security deposit. <laughs> and then Mary Jane jumps in because Peter Schnitz, you are not the emperor of New York City. <laughs> so, uh, uh, before he could finish asking Ben, he, he suddenly has like this weird spasm where he crushes his drinking glass in his hand, and they all just awkwardly look around like, uh, what just happened? But Peter brushes it aside, and uh, mm-hmm. Ben welcomes them back, and, so, and the issue ends on a strange but happy note. Spectacular Spider-Man ending. <laughs> yeah, he got the, got the yeah. old uh, Spidey in the sky uh, over buildings. Da, da, da. Turn into a football. All right, so we're going to go back in reverse order. Don's going to give his thoughts first. Um. Oh, no, no, actually, actually, I'm sorry. Gerard, you need to give your thoughts first. This is the second time you've done this. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm liking this. Um, oh, wow, the step up in the artwork is just jarring, isn't it? We're like, no you kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> issue to this one, like, holy bit. Oh, my God, it's, it's very welcome, I'll say that. Um. Uh, this is sort. This is a weird one to review because the actual like villain plot is is just kind of crap. Because I just hate that cyber goblin so much, and especially in this issue because he keeps shooting these blasts that look like strings of Christmas lights. It's yeah. oh, it really bugs me. But honestly, that's that's hardly like a huge knock because the rest of the issue is pretty nice. It has like a uh, like a reintroduction of the Daily Bugle and we're starting to get hints that Peter's powers are coming back. Uh, I guess spoilers. Uh, for for a comic that's like twenty years old, uh, and the Mary Jane and Peter deciding to come back. So even though the main plot of the thing is just kind of silly, at least like the side plots are all starting to converge together. And between this and Sensational, I'd I'd say like actually having forward momentum in these stories is actually a very positive thing. So I don't have a lot to say about the issue specifically, other than to say that I rather liked it, and I'm going to give it a B. 
Okay. Uh, now, Don, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm simpatico to Gerard's thoughts. I think that, like, this is one of those issues that, that like, that it happens every every now and then with Spider-Man where it's a very breezy, uh, calm issue, but there's still continuity, you know, from, from previous storylines with with the villains and stuff. Like, the villains are, are like, you know, caught up in their own storyline, but, like, Peter or Spider-Man or Ben or whoever's, Spider- whoever's the main character at the time kind of takes it easy. And I've been like, I mean, this is a, at this point, I've been liking adjective lists for a while now, pretty consistently. I, I can't remember the last adjective list issue I've disliked because I really like Howard Mackey on this title. I uh, really like the combination between him and John Marino Jr. And I just like his command of characters because a, a, a lot of times in this era, and I do like this era, but a lot of times in this era, you'll have like the characters basically running around, jumping up and down, screaming that they're the characters. Mary Jane's like, you know, oh, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. And J. John James is like, I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry. But Howard Mackey was a better writer than that because he, every time you see the characters be themselves, it's a lot more... There's, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Where, like, you know, Jameson's very much Jameson, but he's not, like, you know, bursting his head through a window, screaming to, to re- make you remember that who he is. He's like, you know, he's being rude, and, you know, he's smoking a cigar, and he's being kind of self-minded, but he's also being very caring towards Peter in his own way. And I don't... Subtle's not the right word, but I think that, like, it's very much... It, it shows a deft hand of characterization that I think Mackie has better than most writers. Even even writers like DeZago and stuff. Um, and I just like how he just does Spider-Man. Like, like, like when Spider-Man's interrogating the guy... It feels like Spider-Man without feel without compromising his sense of his sense of humor um, at the very beginning. Like he's being very kind of lackadaisical, but he's also being very threatening at the same time. Like really easily dropping the guy and stuff. And um, I don't know. It, it, I, I like this. You know, I don't really have an opinion on. How, I, I know that Jason McIndale is like you know everyone like likes to hate him, and for good reason. I don't really have an opinion on him that much. I know that, he, that you know he'll die in a few months or whatever. Um, <laughs> he's uh, about to die. I quite yeah I. I I think my biggest problem actually is honestly like the really random and uber convenient for the ending confession that Goblin makes. Like, okay, I'll talk. <laughs> like, it, it 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 comes to a, it grinds the story to a halt, and like, it really just happens just so there can be a happy ending where people can smile and everything. Um, I it, it, are, are we are we going to be seeing? Uh, I know I know they show up in Revelations, but we're going to be seeing like Shirley and and uh, her kid again. Oh yeah, they'll they they make uh, appearances in Sensational and Spectacular. Because it was like an ending to them. They show up after the Clone Saga. Yeah, yep. they were in um the post Clone Saga pre reboot. Uh, mainly, mainly in uh, Sensational. It looked like her son still thinks that Ben was uh, guilty of of those crimes. Which is interesting. Although we already have an angry kid, and and, uh, and she's also lost like a hundred pounds. Because, I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah, she went this like you know, like like that brief diet. It happened in on. the fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, be glad she didn't. She didn't go through the uh, Doctor Kafka facelift. Oh, <laughs> the entire body. The lift? virtual reality one. <laughs> <laughs> she's the she's the non stunner stunner. <laughs> Basically. What yeah. if Shirley is virtual reality, and that's how this place was rebuilt so quickly? The Daily Grind is a virtual reality spot. Slot, <laughs> get on that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, you see, me and everybody's really just sitting on burning embers that just look like their chairs and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I kind of would have liked a bit more with Shirley and Ben, other than like you know a handshake and a smile. Like, 
Because she, she straight up thought that, like, or at least she was at least doubtful of Ben's innocence. And, like, a bit more characterization between the two of them would have been appreciated. Because it, it, the ending feels extremely pat. Like, the issue was very well paced. It was, it was fine. But the ending almost feels like... It's, it, it, it's it feels, a classic problem. It's a problem with Howard Mackey yeah. in general. It feels I was going to say, it feels like a Howard Mackey ending. That's how all his issues end. Yeah, sadly. That's true. That's, that's true. Uh, um, and, and what's the difference between this ending and last issue's ending, by the way? What was the last issue? The, the, the there last is no issue difference. Ends with Peter, Mary Jane, and Ben sitting down to eat, loudly discussing their secret identity in front of everyone else. This issue ends with Peter, Mary Jane, and Ben sitting down to have coffee and loudly discussing their secret identity in front of everyone else. <laughs> I was going to point that out, so I'm glad somebody else did. I, I, I don't know how much I can care about that, but like that doesn't bother me. It, 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 I don't know. This, this it's it's. It was it was surely as bar breaking the bar, coffee shop breaking down, which really is a pretty big serious surprise. And this one, it feels like you know all all's well that ends well, in a way which I, I don't think we we were promised such a neat ending. But you know I've, I've already said that, so like I do like this issue quite a bit. But I think that like the la- the way that like it reaches this climax it feels feels false. So I'll give it a straight B. So two Bs. Uh, are we going to keep the Bs going there, Greg Bashansky? I think we might. I mean, I actually really like this issue. I mean, let me get this out of the way. I hate the Mackendale Hobgoblin. I, I always have. He he was a goon, and I know some people have a problem with him just spilling the beans on everything. But I read that, and I'm thinking, you know, this is Jason Mackendale. He's an, enough of an idiot to do exactly that. I mean, I think it was a well-paced issue. I really love John Romita's Jr.'s artwork, and um, it again, and it's. Um, the characterization is really good, like we've been saying. And, and I think Howard Mackey, I cannot believe I'm about to say this, sometimes gets a bad rap. He's not my one of my top 10 favorite or even top 20 favorite Spider-Man writers of all time. But he, he understands story structure, pace, and then characterization. He's really bad at continuity, but that doesn't really affect things here. And honestly, I think that if... If the reboot in the, in the late '90s didn't happen, he'd be remembered a lot more fondly. I think people really over overrate how bad Mackey is, just because he was so burned out over circumstances he didn't control. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with Greg. It was absolutely the reboot that ruined him and his his, his reputation. Yeah, totally. Because I can't think of a bad thing to say about him prior to that. Oh, I and think. I remember when he did the interview with Crawlspace. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. So. Um, yeah, the re- I, I think he got lumped into in a horrible situation that that. I mean, Carl Spade, Spade, he wrote some bad stories, but that doesn't yeah. mean that he's a bad writer. No, right. Every writer has them. So, um, what was your grade there, Greg? I give it a B plus. B plus. So we got and, three Bs or two Bs and a, and a B plus. And honestly, I'm just happy this is the last time. Well, the last time I've ever seen this is the end of the Cyber Hobgoblin, the end of Jason Mackendale, and uh, not yet, but it will be. <laughs> the, Soon it will be. The King is coming back. And uh, so that leaves Josh. What are your thoughts? Well, I hope that you won't be disappointed when I tell you what my grade is going to be. What is huh? it going to be? Uh, bees, my God. <laughs> Why did it have to be bees? Uh, uh, th- this was a nice straight-up Spider-Man story and a little more consistent than the last issue. Um, it, I do think that it's weird, especially like you know when they lay it all out in the Osborne Journal that like everything 
thing was subcontracted. Like Osborne subco- subcontracted Gaunt, who subcontracted Hobgoblin, who subcontracted like Cell Twelve. Like you know, nobody's <laughs> dealing with anything directly. If, so. if you've ever dealt with subcontracts, like I do every single day Just in like my real day job. Corporations. Ugh. Yeah, I, I don't like Jonah being so involved in the bugle stuff, but I can't blame the book for that because, like, that's just a mistake that every single Spider-Man writer after Tom DeFalco in the 80s made. Like, everyone forgot that Jonah being publisher was supposed to mean that Robbie was controlling everything and Jonah was retired. When was the last time they referenced that? Like, as of this date? Ne- never. Ne- like, never. So, like, Not, not in Brand like, New Day? It, it bothers me every time I see it, but, like, it's... I can't blame every because every writer's following the like every other book's lead, but like it totally destroys that like awesome story you know that Roger Stern did. But you know whatever I I I can't take the book of which ironically was a hobgoblin story. Um, on the hobgoblin, I am eighty five percent sure of this next statement, but this is like the first time that like Jason Mackendale is incarcerated like during his time as the hobgoblin. Like, from when he took over, you know, the mantle, like... Didn't he go to 80... prison at the end of Spirits of Venom? <laughs> uh, that's why I said I was 85% sure. I don't know. I didn't read Spirits of Venom. <laughs> Does anyone Did remember he? that? I saw that, that was the that, uh, crossover that's, with... That's uh, that was the crossover with uh, Ghostwriter Spirits of Vengeance, written by Howard Mackey. That was a crossover between uh, that book and Web of Spider-Man, when Mackey was writing Web of Spider-Man. Well, and, and they played, like... This almost kind of serves as a prologue to Hobgoblin Lives, because at the beginning of Hobgoblin Lives, because he's finally, like, arrested and in jail, like, they're finally, like, putting him on trial for all of the Hobgoblin's crimes. And then he tries to throw a wrench in the trial by, like, saying that Ned Leeds was the original Hobgoblin. So now, like, they'll have to completely, like, make a new case and, you know, he'll get to, like, you know, not get the death penalty for, like, you know, a little longer because it confuses so many things. And then, of course, he dies. But, like, this is, like, I appreciate the book for, for that sense, too, that, like, this is, like, the prologue, you know, to Hobgoblin. In fact, in the trade paperback for Hobgoblins that I have, they have a, the panel where, like, Ben has him in the web, you know, kind of cocoon um, um, in the back of the book. Because, like, every page of the story it would have, like, a thing. Like, if you see, you know, Mackendale talk about being arrested, like, you turn to the back of the book and it'll say, page five. Jason Mackendale was arrested in, you know, Peter Parker Spider-Man issue 69, even though it wasn't called Peter Parker Spider-Man 69 at that point. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you, like, the picture. So, you know, I, I like that bit of history and that cohesive thing. Otherwise, um... Will you um, do me a favor on that, uh, Josh? Am I scan? Can you scan that book? I that, that image? don't have access to that trade paperback because it was stolen from me. And the new version of the trade paperback doesn't have the images. It just has like it has the timeline. Yeah, it has, it has yeah. the text. I have the, I have, I have the new version. It has the annotations with no I, imagery. I think I might have the old version somewhere. I do have the new version too, but the old version had the like the Ron Friends cover where like the Hobgoblin standing behind Spider Man. Yeah. Um. New- and and like and the illegal versions that you could find online have like the single issue scans, and the single issues have like. A different version of the notes than what you get in, you know, the um, the the trade paperback. That trade paperback was awesome. It's like, it the, I, no lie, it might be one of the best trade paperbacks I've ever seen because they add so much extra bonus material. And like, I love the timeline that they give in the back of like all the original Hobgoblin events, and then they have like retcon notes to talk about like how it ties in. Like, they left no yeah. stone unturned. 
But they, uh, we're talking about Spider-Man 69. Hail Roger Stern. She also mentioned that there are a lot of uh, Spider-Man unmasked profile images, like with Ben Urick, Robert Robertson, and and this image, of, like the image of Peter in the Bailey Bugle, that's used in a lot of recap pages in the in the, in the post Clone Saga era. I know everyone remembers that. Yes, like, you know, yeah. 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 This is Peter Parker. He's and like it was always like that one of him smiling. Actually, that the the Robbie from that same page was also in all of those. And I was about to mention you guys are you guys are stealing. You must have been reading my notes. Sorry, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, what did Peter do to piss Ben Yurik off so much, though? Jeez, not be Daredevil. I guess I don't think he pissed off Ben Yurik. I think he's just trying to show that Ben is really serious about his job. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I'm obviously not being too serious with that, but it didn't, I, but not so obvious because oh, Ben Yurik, you're being a jerk. I can't wait for Kingpin to kill you. Spoilers! <laughs> Spoiler for people who haven't seen a Netflix what the, show. What the hell? I only saw the pilot, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I hope you saw Jessica Jones because we, we totally made a Jessica Jones reference earlier this episode. No, I haven't. But whatever, <laughs> I don't care. Wait, Kingpin di- or Ben Yurik dies and don't repeat it. Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. This have you happen. seen Have you seen Force Awakens yet? <laughs> so I give Spider Man sixty nine a B. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't so really we... have a lot to say about it. It was a straight up Spider Man story, you know, and like and. Uh, most of what I see in it is like its connections to like one of my favorite Spider-Man stories, truth be told. So, uh, I am going to be different than everybody else because Greg gave it a B plus, Josh, Don, and Gerard gave it Bs. I am going to give it an A. I love this book. Um, I actually like the fact right before um, Spider-Man shows up, um, or right before God shows up. Actually, excuse me. Uh, or respirator man, as Gerard <laughs> likes to refer to. His vibrator is done. <laughs> yeah, uh, ever since I got this new phone, like whenever like I get a text or a vibrate, like the whole Skype calls always hear it. Um, they, <laughs> the the fact that he's sitting there talking about how big of a loser he is, kind of made me laugh a little bit, especially in retrospect, knowing that he's about to die. Uh huh. <laughs> so, um, it will be more glorious than D Day. Oh, wow. What do they ever do to you? Like, I never liked the Mackendale Hobgoblin, but like, I don't understand. Like, people hate him like he's Jar Jar Binks. Well, Greg is a huge (laughs) Greg's a huge mark for the Kingsley Hobgoblin. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but like, it's not like he killed Kingsley. You, yeah, like he didn't do anything to Kingsley. I don't exaggerate this for fun. Okay. Like Carly Cooper. Well, but but it's not just you. Like, so many people are like, oh, yeah, I I see that a lot. How how we hate him. I, I hate him because I always associated him with the cyber version, which is just terrible. I honest, he was that for like five minutes. I honestly think for most people, they feel we got cheated out of what Roger Stern would have originally done in the 80s, even though that's kind of misplaced blame because Roger Stern was off that book long before Mackendale came along. Right. Well, then you have things like Demo Goblin and the Demo Goblin separation. Oh, God, that. yeah. I will give you that. There was a lot of stupidity. Spirits of Venom, which I mentioned before, Demo Goblin plays a big part in that. Yeah. It's one of those stories where he's trying to kill Hobgoblin for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> for his sins. Yeah, for his sins. Yep. Um, also, so also Demo I, Goblin's walking punch in Maximum Carnage is devastating, so screw him. <laughs> oh my gosh, Demo Goblin and Maximum Carnage. Ugh, that, that, that park level where he keeps on flying by and you gotta kick him off the glider. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he died in a church. 
Anyway, um, so um, yeah, I give it an A. I, I the artwork was really good. Outside of, I mean, the Shirley thing was kind of the thing I brought up, but minor quibble. Um, I thought the story was good. I thought it was. Um, it brings a nice clean ending to really. Uh, that's really truly the epilogue to Blood to Blood Brothers. Um, we're getting a lot of forward momentum. Um, to read more from Part Twenty Four of Life of Riley. Glenn's comments again. Since the end of the Clone Saga was going to be delayed for six months, as was mentioned in a previous column, the Spider-Man writers were pretty much free to tell whatever stories they wanted, at least for a little while. This take gave Todd DeZago the chance to do some fun stuff he wanted to work into Spectacular, such as bringing back Willow the Wisp and using the Dragon Man. Spoilers. Since it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Ben was going to indeed be a goner by the time it was all over, Ralph saw the six-month period as an opportunity to make Ben as likable as possible and really establish the brotherly relationship between Ben and Peter. This would make the feel- readers feel the loss of Ben all the more when it finally happened, and thus make his demise far more shocking and powerful. Ralph's goal was to make the, even the fiercest Ben Riley detractors get choked up when he heroically met his end. Wait, what? Uh... He certainly couldn't disagree with Ralph on that, especially when he had become one, uh, especially when Glenn had become one of the biggest supporters of Ben at Marvel. He was in no rush to see him go, and he was def- until he was definitively told he's toast by a Marvel executive of the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was even holding out hope that Ben would remain the original Spider-Man. Anyway, six months to play with. There were a lot of conversations about what could be done to keep the books moving forward. At one point, there was some discussion about Ben actually adopting the Peter Parker identity with Peter and Mary Jane's blessing and start wearing the original Spider-Man costume. This would be presented what? as a major this would be presented as a major turning point and absolute and would absolutely throw readers off the off the scent. After all, if Ben has become Peter, there's no way we would kill him off, right? I can no longer recall how long this idea was actually under consideration. Or he can no longer recall how long it was actually under consideration. But he could think it w- it would have been intriguing. It would have been confusing. <laughs> no shit. Peter Parker A, Peter Parker B. What? I guess they would have. Sw- Parker- I guess they would have switched because then Peter Parker couldn't couldn't be Peter Parker anymore. So then Peter Parker would have to be a third identity. You'll be Peter Benjamin Parker. You'll be Peter Richard Parker. He'll be he'll be he'll be Mike Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Murdoch. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if they'll put that in the Netflix series. They they nope. they sort of did. Nice. Very sort of. You know, now that I think about it, the fact that they retitled uh, Spider-Man 75, Peter Parker's Spider-Man 75, kind of blows the ending, doesn't it? Unless Ben Riley becomes it. Peter Parker. I don't think they solicited uh, it that way. They did. In a while. <laughs> Yeah, it was and so even, more, even more laughably, the house I had said, the return of the one true Spider-Man. As you see, Oops. like, Peter Parker carrying, like, a Ben Riley, like, not corpse, but, like, a beat-up Ben Riley. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. I don't know why I thought so, about it just now. It's not really relevant. Sorry. Anyway, but, um, so we're going to move on to Sensational Spider-Man, the final book of this of this particular episode. Sensational Spider-Man number, nine, or number six, that would be Donovan. Okay. Uh... Stanley presents the Sensational Spider-Man in the ultimate responsibility. So it seems Mary Jane's finally going to give birth in this issue. Or so one would think. <laughs> um, so we start off with uh, some emo goodness of a, black, a raven-haired woman with big old eyes. Uh, 
in the rain with no umbrella. That's a it's raining. No one has an umbrella because it's dramatic. And she's at the grave of her father, uh, who was. The is he, cut, is he cutting in and out? Uh, for <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He. He, he, he totally is. Oh, I can. He's my phone and start over. Okay. Uh, yeah. Should do that. What's your favorite Maybe. idea? Mine is being creative. Switch. Nice. Okay. Greg, bring him back in. All right. Bum 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. And I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna reintroduce it. Bum, 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 bum. And it's now January fifteenth, and my data for the month has been reset. Man, those last few days were like hard. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Not in your case. Uh, hey, my laundry's done. Oh, oh man. <laughs> All right. I, you know what? I gotta apologize. That was that was unfair. That's like a kicking. That's kicking me in my big ball. <laughs> you only have one. That 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 was Lance Armstrong. Way this, no, I, this have, Lucy I, have, I have taking I have the two. football from Charlie Brown, then shooting Charlie Brown in the knees. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey. Okay, Donovan. I'm going to reintroduce um, Sensational Six, and then if you must. All right, for editing purposes, of course. All right, so. Um, in the Clone Saga trades, it actually moves on from uh, from issue sixty nine to um, Spider Man Team Up number three, which was drawn by Dan Jurgens, ironically enough, and uh, to um, Sensational number six, the great, the ultimate responsibility by Dan Jurgens and Klaus Jansen on the story and art. Donovan has the run recap for this one, Don. Indeed, so the ultimate responsibility. One would think that this is the issue where Mary Jane gives birth, but alas, Mary Jane's not in this issue. This begins with one of my favorite comic book tropes, and by that I mean one of my least favorite comic book tropes, of someone in the pouring rain without an umbrella of any kind. Because who does that? Um, but this is, a scene of, this is a scene of drama, because like Gerard de la Tour, this is Jessica G- Carradine, uh, very deep in thought. In this particular instance, she's at the grave of her father, whose birth name is the Burglar, and she thinks about <laughs> <laughs> Jessica the Burglar, Carradine. No, Jessica so, Carradine the Burglar. So she thinks back to Amazing Fantasy 15, the uh, the uncut director's cut, where uh, the Burglar uh, guns down uh, Uncle Ben, who actually had a gun on him, and then Spider Man comes and punches the freckles off of him. And Uncle Ben was robbing his own house. <laughs> you have more money than we do. Um, and she's just thinking, you know, I can't believe that my father, who who stole for to support us, could ever do something. It must be Spider-Man's fault. And, I, and by this point, I'm like, you know, you can't be this stupid, but she is. And she takes out uh, the photo that she took of Spider-Man unmasking himself to be Pete. I mean, Ben Riley. Um, so she's trying, so she's, she's looking at her copy of sensational Spider-Man number four. <laughs> it hurts me to admit it, but Spider-Man has been right. And God help me. I've fallen in love with him, falling in love with a man I'm supposed to hate, according to the writer. <laughs> so similarly, uh, Ben Riley is also in the rain without a, an umbrella. What is wrong with these people? Uh, I don't own an umbrella. Desiree's the only smart again. One. I don't uh, like. You don't live in New York City, man. Trust me. It's, it's yeah. a- what does that do with anything? Buy an umbrella. I'm- 
Well, I'm First about to explain you. if you'd shut your mouth for a second. I'm saying, oh, like, if you oh, if you well. ride the subway all the time or you take the bus, it's really inconvenient to carry an umbrella around. So a lot of people just don't, or they yeah. carry one of those really small umbrellas that don't cover shit. So you just end up wasting your time. So that, I don't carry an umbrella even when it's like raining really hard outside. Not even a raincoat though, with a hood. No, no. I mean, sometimes I wear a hoodie, but like, you know, it's, it gets soaked. Or whatever. Like, yeah. you you just know where you're going, so you're outside at less amount of time. Well, unfortunately, Ben Riley's not heading to the subway. He's just kind of walking on the sidewalk until Desiree shows up with her limo, saying, uh, basically flirting up a storm. And then last time we we had the podcast, she was basically accusing him of like arson and potential murder. But she's kind of forgotten that and says, "Oh, I'm so glad that you weren't that you were proven not to be the arsonist. Have lunch with me." And he's like, "Um." <laughs> so she says she likes her men hot. She's Liz Allen Part Three. Um, like Ben straight like straight calls her to the carpet. <laughs> well, yeah, she she's, does. She's flirting with him pretty directly, saying how much she likes him and smiling along the way. And Ben's not really in the mood to like like uh, you know, for any sort of pleasantries. And he's like, "All right, listen. You, you know, the reason why you're always chased by these guys, but you don't go with them, is because you have what? What is it? You know, you're interested in, in me because I'm not like all the others. I, you know, I don't care about the books. I don't know how she would know that, but whatever. Um, so." From, uh, that, 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 that's my zero. city's football team, so it took me a second to like realize, like, <laughs> well, why the heck would would they be talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Oh, never mind. Like, <laughs> so uh, Jessica continues to to mull over the fact that her father's uh, killer that she thinks is is her boyfriend or not boyfriend or whatever, and she's kind of really mulling over this. But she sees right outside of the Rio restaurant Ben and Desiree, and. I don't like this. Like she says, how could he? When I told him that, I, that we weren't going to be together, how dare he go see somebody else? How could he? How could you? And she actually says this. <laughs> he may have killed my father, but when he had lunch with someone else after we broke up, that took things too far. <laughs> I know the kind of man you really are, whatever. So she uh, says, I'm, I'm going to go directly to the Daily Beagle and, and ruin your life because I'm mad. Just like a, I like she's like, where's that damn mailbox? This is such Stan <laughs> she's Di- determined. This is very Stan Dick, Stanley, Steve Dicko Harris stuff. It really is. <laughs> Plus, it stopped raining because if you notice when she pulls out the envelope, it would have gotten soaked if it was still raining. Yeah, this guy's blue in the background. Um, so Ben is basically smacking Desiree down. I, I, I say, I know who you really are, and I don't like that kind of person. And then he sees like a, like a, like a building on fire outside of the window. He's like, um, and that reminds me, I, I have to go. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make it up to you, I promise. I'll take you up for dinner, and then insult you further. So, um, Desiree, Jessica, Jessica sees Spider-Man swinging away, so she follows him, wondering who he's going to kill next. And um, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a building on fire at the very top. Like not, I don't know if it's the top of the floor, but it's a very, very high floor uh, fire. So Spider-Man goes in there and uh, uh, is mistaken for Daredevil by a, by a fool. Um, he uh, makes like a, an ice bridge with his webbing <laughs> uh, to help people slide out of the building. But uh, like the first Raimi movie, there's there's a kid up there too. In fact, so double no, there, there's Spider-Man. multiple kids with no adult attendance. So like we think we saw some kids up there. I'm like, wait, by themselves? It was a taping of Barney the Dinosaur that they that they were fleeing. Um, I love you. You love me. Um, so the firemen are saying, like, oh, uh, they're probably dead. I mean, look, look, look at that fireman. Not, not even I, a fireman would go up there. And Spider-Man was like, shut up, give me that oxygen. And then, by this point, he's run out of web fluid because he wasted it all. I say wasted. He used it all on the web bridge. 
so he's uh, kind of wall crawling up there and trying to find the kids. Uh, and long story short, this issue doesn't uh, kill off Ben Rogers yet. He uh, he actually walks down the building slow motion, probably on fire. Uh, half his mass is burned off, and Jessica Carradine is witnessing all of this, and she's like, "I've been wrong all this time. He couldn't have killed my father because in this instance, he wasn't killing anybody." Okay. Um, so okay. she's says, hey, Ben, how are you doing? And uh, here's the picture I was going to give to uh, your mortal enemy, Jonah Jameson. I can't allow my hate to take you away from the world. Your secret is safe with me. So this uh, has a gigantic character change for her because she changes her, uh, you know, rather, you know, Neil Gaiman death style fashion to a very virginal white dress and white earrings. And she goes to Uncle Ben and Aunt May's grave saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know you or have... You know, I, I thought that you killed my uncle, but I or my father. I'm sorry, but I know that uh, he must have killed you, and you must have been a really great, great guy. I'm just assuming because you're you're more referenced than this book than I am. So she walks away, and um, there's a gigantic Dan Jurgens image of Spider-Man haunting her as uh, she says. Mirroring um, sensational issue zero. And, yeah, exactly that one. My need for revenge and a key to a, a key photo gave me the power to destroy a man, a hero. But I learned that when you get power, the responsibility to use it wisely is part of the package. Ugh. Evil as my father's actions were, maybe some good can actually come from it. Thanks to that lesson, Spider-Man lives on, and we never see her again. What do you mean Spider-Man lives on? He's not dead. <laughs> of course he lives on. Yeah. 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 The end. All right. Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, what's your grading thoughts, sir? I didn't like this. <laughs> um, I think that it's an inter- it's, it, it started out interesting. I think it's a good idea to have Jessica's perspective take the center focus. Um, and it's a very you know it's it's definitely an intriguing uh, kind of premise where like you know the daughter of the burglar is in, romantically involved with Spider Man. You know, uh, which which again we've referenced before that like this this is picked up again this spectacular Spider Man cartoon uh, in some ways. And it's, it's interesting. I think that like a lot of the potential is squandered be- uh, because some basic communication could really make this uh, a lot better. Like, I, I, if you remember when JMS did that issue where Aunt May and Peter just talk about him being Spider-Man, you know, her keeping a secret was like, you know, that was realistic for one issue, and then she, you know, ends up talking to him. She doesn't like just mull around the city and you know connive these things and like, I don't know. It felt like. It was being kind of melodramatic in a way which was a bit frustrating. Uh, and I really did not like the fact that, like, she was like, you know, I'm conflicted about how I feel about Ben Riley. He's Spider-Man, and I've always had this opinion of Spider-Man, but I, have, I fall in love with him, you know. But I don't know if I should judge him or not. <gasps> He's with another girl. After I explicitly said it's okay, I'm mad at him. Like, that, that's, that's shit. Like, like, that was awful. Like, like really? Whatever. Um and also, I, I, I pointed out that Desiree's characterization is kind of inconsistent. I mean, I guess she's supposed to be kind of flighty, where like one yeah. minute she's uh, just fine thinking Ben's a criminal, the next minute she's going after him directly, and she has called out on that. She's a but, Silver Age girlfriend. But this is the ni- this is like 1996, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's, I'm sorry, that's not an excuse. Like, I like, agree. We can't. Yeah, we 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 can't write them differently. Um, I, I was saying that as a criticism, not as an excuse. Well, well, then I agree with you. Like, like, I, like, Silver Age girlfriends were, were were old back when they were popular in the '60s. And I think there's just really, I'm I'm disappointed how these two new characters were kind of done because, 
you know, I'm up, I'm up for like you know romantic drama in Spider Man, but when, every time the female characters are done to be, are written to be like completely obsessed with with whoever Spider Man is, it comes off really bad. And I know, I know they did that a ton in Brand New Day with like um the girl who worked at the Bugle and stuff who looked people's faces. Um, I did like uh, the the scene of Peter. I'm oh, no, sorry, Peter Ben. I did like 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 the second half of it being completely him saving people from a fire. It wasn't some you know irritating supervillain of the '90s. It was just him saving people and the inherent danger in that because he could still be killed from it. So I, I really did like that. And it's cool seeing Ben and Riley do this, where you see different aspects of his career as Spider-Man. That was really neat. And I did like uh, seeing Jessica. Uh, but the character, it's like you know, you're cutting out. Feel about him, you know, what, was, was what he was saying was true or not? Da, 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 da. Waiting for my, I see, I see my Skype thing doing the circles. Okay. How's that? Better. Go. All right. Like the character change. Yeah, she saw him save people's lives, but I don't know if that should completely erase a lifetime of doubt. I mean, it should open her up to more conversation, but the whole, like, you know, I was wrong about you, Ben Parker, like, showing up at his grave, with, it feels just too, way too, it's like the comic wants to have, to have her be on uh, our side and not treat her like a character on her own with her own, like, thought process. It just felt lazy and really, really, like, like, like they were done with this character, and I think that she had a lot more potential that they could have run with, and I was, I was actually kind of annoyed, so, yeah. like, nah, this is... Partly for like a, for a loss of potential, and partly for just like really kind of just like 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 uh, sloppy writing. I won't give this a D. Okay. Ooh, wow. Uh, Josh. Okay, I like this issue. This is my only A of the podcast um, of the three books. Um, not that the other books were bad, but this one, uh, I like the whole you know seeing the issue through Jessica's eyes. Um, unlike Dawn, you know, who's always wrong about everything, it's. Uh, <laughs> if you read between the lines like of the book you know and maybe we shouldn't have to read between the lines but like you get the sense that jessica has always kind of had her doubts about her dad but she's tried to convince herself otherwise and those illusions kind of get shattered at the end like she's been denying it for so long but the truth's always been in front of her like there's you know a, and there's an issue i can't remember which issue it was either a month or two ago where you really saw this where they kind of had an argument about it yeah. Right, right after she had taken the picture, right, and then she had went to him and talked to him. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. That was yeah, good. and it's and you you could hear her like she's having this internal argument with herself, and like it's I, I did joke before that like you know she's more mad about Ben dating Desiree than like she is the father thing, but like you know, but I like that moment even though I think it's kind of you know BS a little bit. So I'm kind of of two minds about it, but just you know she's trying to talk herself into not being mad at Ben, but then when she sees the Desiree thing, you know, like, she's like, the next panel, I like, she's so determined, like, where's the damn mailbox? She doesn't actually say damn mailbox, just mailbox, but she might as well. And unlike Don, once again, like, yeah, she did tell him that, like, you know, they were over and to go see someone else, but come on, like, you know, when you tell your ex that, you know, you're still gonna feel weird seeing them with someone. Um... Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm trying to remember what my next point about that whole Jessica Desiree thing was. I love the whole mirroring of the um, uh, last page of Sensational Number Zero. That was a nice homage, you know, especially because it was the same artisan not so long ago. And I like 
Spider-Man doing something as simple as saving children from a burning building, they were able to make it, you know, interesting with the whole, you know, him trying to figure out, you know, what to do and his web fluid and trying to get around that. You know, they made something that should have been routine for Spider-Man. Almost that whole scene was more engaging than the whole Sinister Syndicate fight, you know, a few Mm -hmm. issues ago. And that's the mark of, you know, a good writer and a good artist, you know, conveying the thing, too. And I love the battle damage Ben Riley mask at the end as well. <laughs> um, I didn't like the whole Desiree throwing herself at Ben Riley thing because it's maybe it's because, you know, I don't look like Ben Riley or, you know, Peter Parker. But like I never see girls do this in real life. Be like overtly like, like her and then Nora Winters, you know, a few years ago, <laughs> like, overtly throwing themselves like at it's like such adolescent like wish fulfillments, you know, that like. Some girl's going to be like this over. She's like, oh, I like my men hot like you. Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to say that when you're not dating yet. I'll, let you know. <laughs> I'll just sit here listening to this just shaking my head because this, this happened to my first day of college. I'm not shitting you. I'll tell you that story this later. Still alrighty then. This has happened to me too. Me of all people. Okay. Maybe, may, maybe Florida just got shy girls or something like that. I don't know. Are they all old? Yeah. I thought he was joking about my capacity of dating older women, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, you could take it. Capacity. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, th- th- this was, um, you know, a, a nice book. And uh, I-, I wish that we could have had a more of a discussion with, you know, uh, Jessica and Ben, but sometimes, you know, a book does need to leave you wanting more and that we could have seen a little bit more of like, uh, you know, the decision, uh, by the way, you notice like she's with a lot of like, are those a bunch of Asian foster parents or is that just me? Uh, when you see the picture of her with the foster parents, uh, it's just the way they're drawn. I don't think, I don't think that was intentional. Why was she bouncing from, from home to home? Like, was she a trouble child? foster foster kids like sometimes they're like they can only be in a home for a certain amount of time until they're actually adopted that would make a lot of sense because like um i mean i guess traditional orphanages still exist but like they've mostly been phased out in favor of foster homes which like it's been argued if that's more beneficial or not because like it foster homes are just not stable not that an orphanage is but it's more consistent i don't know you'd have to talk to a psychologist uh, and we joked on the other podcast about this, you know, but I'll say it again. Like, what was Jessica thinking when Civil War issue two happened and like Peter Parker, <laughs> like a massive Spider-Man? Like, is she like sitting on her couch, like drinking, going, ha, huh, bullshit. I know who Spider-Man really is. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to that when I get to my review. I've actually got a response to that. <laughs> Didn't she meet so... Peter Parker? Wouldn't she, would she say, where's Ben? Yes. In one of the stupidest scenes ever. Where like everyone had to be suspicious about everything. Like, oh hi, this is um uh Peter. Yeah, he's my we're cousins. Yeah, yeah, cousins. Oh, what's that on TV? Oh, that's a uh, uh the 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 Weather Channel. Yeah, she yeah. would she would train a traveling in oh. cyberspace. <laughs> Did your TV just talk? Yes, TV's talk. What of it? <laughs> um, we gotta go because we went to lunch. Yes, yes, lunch. Ooh, that was close. Uh, but yeah, I give this issue an A. <laughs> I, give, I give this issue an A because it didn't have a stupid conversation like that. But no, th- this was a great engaging issue. Uh, Dan Jurgens, why you have to leave us? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, all right, so we're going to go with uh, 
<laughs> There's only two. Zach. You don't have to... <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll go with we'll go with Greg. Okay. First of all, a bit of a response to that. I would, if I were Jessica, I would be thinking. I mean, if Peter and Ben are cousins and Peter and Mass, maybe she thinks that they both have the power because they're related. I don't know, but it's a decent no prize answer. I mean, and. And my uh, response to this issue falls somewhere between Josh's and Donovan's. I think there's a lot of potential here. I, you know how comics nowadays are decompressed to their detriment, and a story that should be that shouldn't be six issues, but should be maybe one or two at most. It's just spread out. I think this should have been. I'm not going to say six issues, two or three. There was a lot to do with Jessica here. I thought she was a fascinating character that got mishandled, and I'm not going to blame this on Dan Jurgens. For all we know, he could have been told, wrap this character up in one issue. I mean, it was rushed. Yeah, the character had a ton of potential. I think she still she still does have a lot of potential. I wouldn't mind... But, like, seeing... what is her story once this story's over? Fair... Becoming another character? I, 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 I reject the notion that she has nowhere to go. Well, I... I'm just curious to see. I would like to see her actually confront uh, Peter slash, I guess, Ben, because she thinks it's him, about and actually get what the whole story was. Because like, she sort of makes a lot of assumptions here about what happened and such. They could have done, like, you know, what what, what, what they did with, what's the name, Raptor? Attacking yeah. Peter, thinking he's Ben or whatever? They could have done a lot of that. I mean, she probably, I mean, I'm sure she heard Ben Riley was dead at the end of Revelations. I mean, you know how in Revelations trade paperback they had those additional pages of Ben Riley's funeral? Never heard of it. Yeah, they had this funeral, or at least his. Uh, if they were Jewish, if they were Jewish, should be sitting shiva for him at the uh, Parker House. But um, if everyone gets together to remember Ben at Peter's house. I would have had a panel showing Jessica standing outside, unable to bring herself to go in because that's also where her father killed killed a man. But I'm just referencing that character when Ben died, because she was such an important part of his uh, tenure as Spider-Man. Wait a minute. When she met Peter, like, wouldn't she be like, wait a second, isn't your uncle the guy that my dad killed? <laughs> Which, is that public knowledge that Peter Parker is like... Maybe it's a common name. Yeah, I don't know. Would, yeah, would she, I mean, would she, yeah, wait, she wouldn't second. automatically say Parker, but like, you know... Another Parker living in New York, you know, she might – like, that might arise some suspicion. And again, like, if somebody – if your father killed somebody and, like, that was, like, on the news, you would, like, see pictures of, like, the grieving family. And, like, you might have a hard time forgetting, like, the grieving family in the news stuff. Well, yeah, but Peter was a child then and Aunt May's dead. Well, in fairness, compare the Parker to this one. Yeah, but – yeah, but uh, because we're talking about her father's murder, she might remember the fact that there was a Peter Parker who would be around this age now, because it's around her age, too. That's legit criticism. It's nothing to do with this particular issue, Maybe though. So. It's, more for, it's more along the lines of her entire character arc, but... I don't know if it's a criticism as much as it is, like, uncharted, like... Uncharted. This- yeah. Very missed opportunity. Oh, there were a lot of missed opportunities with Jessica Carradine. I mean, people might, might disagree with me, but I honestly think she may have been the, le- the best love interest for Spider-Man since Black Cat. Oh, for, um, for, for this era, for sure, for comparing her yeah. to, like, Gabrielle Greer and Desiree or whatever. And she was definitely better than everyone that came after in Brand New Day and Big Time and to today. Yeah, true story. 
And this isn't me hey, asking hey, um, the station. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I got no one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of potential here. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing her brought back under the pen of a good writer. I mean, Not I don't have any specific ideas for her, but I think there's there's something there. Are you a little surprised, or I guess it's just a question for everybody, are we a little surprised that, they, that no one has ever brought her back at any point, or is it just that she's just too niche? To- I think the, too niche, too much continuity, and too tied to a forgot to like the Clone Saga, yeah. But freaking Stunner was brought back before she was, though, for real? Because if you think about it, she only appeared for, like, some- what, six months of publishing time? Yeah. But they, yeah. Did, they, did, a, they did a major Doc Ock story after the Clone Saga. Yeah, they did. That- that brought the relationship with her and Otto into the forefront. So that makes way that actually makes. You know what? Sense. The more I think about it, the fact that Spider-Man, more so than many many characters in in Spider-Man's lifetime, because she has a distinct connection to his origin story in some way, she's connected to Spider-Man without being related to him. So a lot more directly than many other characters, she probably that kind of demands come back, and that more so than her connection with Ben Riley. Because I mean, at least it should, if she ever did, you know, meet with Peter again, you know, or Peter's like you know a big, big time millionaire, you know, and like you know is next to Spider Man. Like, I don't know, like there's something. It, it would not be a stretch to bring her back for whatever reason. Would she remember the Ben Riley reveal after the second blind spot crap? Second blind spot was for Peter Parker, not fair, Ben Riley. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Oh, by the way, she has a brother. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she knows really? about him or if they're ha- yeah. There's like some mid '90s Marvel. Oh, Spider-Man. I know. I have that issue. Yes, it's it's the green holographic anniversary one, right? I don't know if we're thinking of the same book because, like, I feel like this was in another title, like not a Spider-Man title, but like some Marvel like summer special or Marvel holiday special. I feel like it was a Marvel holiday special, maybe where um, like Spider-Man. It was an anniversary special because he 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 the catches the, the burglar. Yeah, he catches the kid and like uh, who who's your father? Uh, and like he describes him, and like Spider-Man realizes, could that have been? No, like I know, I know, because the second half of that issue was penciled by Bagley. I'm pretty sure. Okay, um, I have to check yeah. that one out. So, I mean, maybe the burglar had multiple kids with multiple women. I Man, if it's not impossible, that that's a relationship history I don't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because like when Jessica Carradine's like, ever since Mom ran out on us years ago, I was like, ah, oh, finally some insight into the burglar's love life. <laughs> he he was still the burglar then. They gave him the name Dennis Carradine in um uh, Spider Man Three the movie, and they got the name Carradine from her, which which says someone was doing research. Yeah, true story. Despite all obstacles in, in their way, <laughs> but um, I mean, like I said, I I I think the episode, the issue had a decent flow there were a bunch of other outside issues to it I, I think it benefited from being a bit longer and I really do think and again this is not, not the fault of the issue itself I think Jessica should have had a cameo in Revelations Part 4 whether it's in the expanded trade I or think not. she I think I, I, there was a girl that looked she, awful she awful didn't while. it wasn't her Okay. I mean, like, it's, death. like I said, if it was up if it was up to me she would have been staying outside the Parker house but couldn't bring herself to go in Shirley and Devin were there at the very end when when he crunched yes. himself. Was Jimmy Six uh, there? Yes. <laughs> but Jessica um, wasn't. You think that she left New York after this? Probably. That, that's, that's what that, I would that's think. The, yeah, that's what I figured. That, that would make sense, but I don't know. I think the character deserved a bit more. I think she had a lot of potential, and uh, well, 
Sailor I mean, I, I'm going to give it a C plus. All right, Gerard. It's a very divisive issue. I didn't expect that. Um, I I really I'm on with Josh's side on this. I actually really liked it. Um, uh, I'm going to give this an A minus instead of an A, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the art is it's good. I thought it was a little off for some reason. Something about it doesn't quite click as much as the earlier Jurgens issues. But even then, I'll take slightly off Dan Jurgens above virtually anything. <laughs> I mean, this is some great stuff. Um, I like that it was a, a good sort of character-driven story, and thank goodness there was no stupid villain plot. Like, yeah. sort of, just like the, the previous issue just sort of got ruined by that whole Cyber Goblin thing, I'm so glad they didn't do something like that, because the whole little bit with the fire thing, sure, it's a it's a, it's a a cliche, but it works for this issue. Um, the One of the problems I always had with there being four Spider-Man titles, or just more than one, is that they often didn't differentiate from each other. And I thought doing stories like this, where you switch perspectives or maybe you focus a little bit on a different character, would have been something they had done more often. So whenever they do it, I like it a lot. And I'm kind of surprised that... that I, I guess Tangled Webs was sort of that, right? When they when they brought that book out years later, but... Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, they didn't do that successfully. <laughs> there's only one issue of that book I like. Yeah, it's the Jameson one. It's the only one anyone likes. <laughs> I kind of like the. Oh, hold on! Wasn't there that one where like Norman like they the do, bar, they do the almost, villain bar almost, almost got him? Yeah, they, like, I like that. Yeah, I like that one too. Oh, that was and a that, tangled that, web issue. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that tangled web Jameson issue had to like get somewhat reconned when they brought back Jameson's father and like decide he was a different person. By somewhat retconned, you mean the the they never had read it, so they didn't. <laughs> it never occurred the, to them. They had like one line to kind of like. You know, like in the next issue that they kind of put in there, like, oh, that was Jonah's stepfather, my brother. But then, like, later on, you find out that um, Jonah's senior, like, Jonah's mom died, like, while she was still married to, like, Jonah's dad. So it's like, wait, then when did he get a stepfather? And then I was told by, like, some Spider-Man defender, like, why are you assuming that Jonah's stepfather was married to his mother? Uh... <laughs> Okay. Sheesh. I'll never, I'll never forget that that, that 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 retort. Like, why are you assuming that that like the stepfather was married to the mother? Don't be tripping. <laughs> well, sometimes Loki is called Thor's stepbrother, and I just don't get that either. People don't understand what that word means. Sometimes, no. by the way, like like step or like like. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I like the story. I like the pace of it. The Desiree stuff was a little weird, but I always assumed that she was kind of flighty and just de- as a deliberate foil to Jessica being much more serious. I always thought that was the intention, but it, it just looks weird when you realize that Jessica is leaving the story. So you have a character now that's a foil to no one. <laughs> it, just, it just makes her wackiness sort of stick out a little more. Also, this I issue, always yeah, thought that with Desiree, they were trying to do 90s Felicia Hardy from the cartoon. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, where, where she's sort of out of touch, rich girl, who's not quite... She's not quite right because she doesn't have to be, because, you know, money has always been able to, oh, to wipe oh, that away. Oh, God, now when I read her dialogue, I'm going to hear Jennifer Hale. It's just <laughs> a lazy character. <laughs> Ben's like, oh, no, I got to stop that fire. He walked away from me. Who does he think he is? 
<laughs> I've always liked Jessica Carradine, so it bugs me that that she basically just disappeared so quickly. Because like like everybody else, I think she had a lot of potential as a character. Oh, yeah, yeah, and her home planet needs her. One other thing that works about her that I forgot to mention, sorry, Jordan, is that uh, is that like uh, Gwen, MJ, Felicia. She also had a distinct look to her. I mean, you, you look yes, at her, you know, yes. what you're looking at none of the current girls they bring in since One More Day have that. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a Carly Cooper bash fest. I really, really don't. But she never had a distinct look. I mean, they kept changing what she was like every other, every other appearance. I mean, hey, 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 she she was mutated into a monster twice. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> they should just never make a, a woman with red hair again. Yeah, and again, seriously. Yeah, and again, I'm so, I'm sorry that I brought that up because I know it's become a meme elsewhere, but I couldn't think of a better example. <laughs> the only real I Anna Maria ma- Marconi's got a pretty distinctive look. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I forgot she existed for a moment. <laughs> yeah, that's beyond where I've read, man. <laughs> that's because you were looking at eye level. Oh. oh. Wow. <laughs> Did that joke go over your head? Oh, you're on fire. Keep going. No, the views and opinions of Josh Bertoni do not. Yeah. <laughs> they don't I, I, represent okay. the views of hey, we're getting we're getting surly. Let's, let's even though yeah. I think it's good. Okay, okay, okay. We're gonna cut this this joke a little short. <laughs> okay, anyway, I love this. Um, short going. I guess the only real major problem I have is that I think the. The conclusion that Jessica makes at the end is such a logical non sequitur that I'm not even sure I really still understand it, even after reading it several times. So basically, she's thinking the whole time that her dad was sort of like, I don't know, I don't want to call it a setup, but she thinks the story that officially exists isn't true and that he couldn't have possibly murdered this guy on purpose or anything like that, right? So she sees... Ben Riley as Spider-Man saving some people from a fire, so she just assumes that the story was wrong, but they don't have anything to do with one another. So why would she make that assumption? Exactly. She sees Spider-Man's character like would. When I say character, I don't mean like a character in a story, but like character. I, I know what you mean. Like you're yeah. saying that like a goon couldn't have raised him to be a good guy, but again, that but if like, you're assuming, and, and she's and she's seen enough that took care of him. Yeah, I know, right? Whoa, whoa, he just, he just disappeared. Um, hey, says so, so, sorry, 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 that put me, in the, the Skype call just put me on hold for a second. I got a random-ass call from Lakeland. Uh, okay, I see. My, um, my food's downstairs. Um, what I was saying is she sees his character as opposed to, like, you know, with her dad, where she's seen enough. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he go and do reasonable things like pick up food? We're talking about Spider-Man. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, like, there's something wacky going on here that I guess is the point. We just ha- we just don't know enough about what she was. Okay, told. when someone calls, it puts it puts the Skype call on hold. Sorry about that. But go ahead and finish what you were saying, and then I'll go get to my point. Well, I was before you just buzzed into me. Up. Oh well, I just got back on. I didn't know you were doing that. So uh, you go <laughs> ahead. It's all right, no problem. Uh, I guess I'll just backtrack slightly. I guess I understand. If, I would understand this a little more if we knew more about what she, what the, her version of the story is, because it seems confused. Because it doesn't seem like it was settled. Like one minute it seems like she just didn't think her her father had anything to do with it. Then she thinks it was some kind of accident where, like, it was self defense or something. 
But if uh, there's shades of that that need to be explained, because like, say it was just a tussle and an accident, that's that's a different thing entirely than complete self defense. Mm-hmm. So like, we need. We, I think that that little vagueness needed to be clarified so that we know exactly what she was told, so that we can understand her frame of mind. It, it reminds me of a Fantastic Four issue where uh, after Boom was was killed off in. Uh, issue 500 they, it's a really cool story where they sort of invade latveria yes sure that no one gets their hands on dr doom stuff and they go in there and they're and like the citizens are like even though they've freed the citizens or giving them rights and things the citizens are still throwing rocks at them and stuff and they're like what the hell is this and they're like well you have to remember these people have been told all their lives that the fantastic four are just like just the worst thing ever and like they should be hated and they're all crooks and all that stuff. Doctor Doom was poisoning their head with, with thoughts of what the Fantastic Four represent. So even right. if they showed up and were doing great stuff, their minds wouldn't just change immediately. They had to be convinced. So But like, Jessica isn't like Oh, go ahead go ahead with what you're saying. Well, I'm saying I, I guess my point is Jessica has a kind of soft version of that where she's because I I get she was little when her father died, so but she grew up for I'd say uh, for wouldn't, wouldn't she have been around Peter's age? Well, no, right? Because she's slightly younger than he is. Yeah. Right? But yeah, only, only like, slightly, so not Is she college-aged? Well. Peter and Ben are not college-aged. She may have been... Twin she's tw- probably about five or six years younger. Okay. I can see that by those photos, within, yeah. With, within like five years. But the point is that if Peter was 15, she was like 10. Yeah. Which is a big... That's a big jump in, in maturity. But the point is that she's been learning for the first, you know, however many years since then that, like, her father... So basically from a still somewhat formative age that her father was was killed by Spider-Man for, or, or whatever, which I guess happened later when the burglary happened or whatever, but that, that her dad was a crook, and then later that he was killed by... So all this stuff has been within her, like, early teenage years. Fuck, Into, fuck, fuck. Hey, for all, for all. What? No, I just spilled something. Sorry. <laughs> may, may I interject? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, for all we know, she may have been told the official story, but because she was young and that was her father, she may have been a daddy's girl. She created her own version in her head anyway. Right. Well, she, the official story was in the papers. Yeah. You know, like, she wouldn't have had to have even, like, been told. It, it was everywhere. Yeah, she would. She, and right. she denied. She probably made up a, a, a version of it in her head. Old man dies by way of gun violence. But, but and honestly, I, I can relate to Jessica's predicament a little bit. Be, or, 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 I'm sorry, Gerard, you were about to say something. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. If you have something. Okay. Um, uh, this one's a little, a, a teeny bit personal. So, so I'm not going to say all the details on the podcast. But one of my parents did something that was frowned upon. Nothing illegal. Just something really, really socially frowned upon. And everybody told me that my parents had done it and I did not believe anybody because, you know, you in spite of all the evidence that was in front of me, you believe, you know, the best in your parents. And when your parents says, no, I didn't do it. This was all a made up lie. You will believe them. Mm -hmm. But there was enough evidence in front of me that that, like when a relative like Mm -hmm. finally told me later on, then like every piece clicked in my head and I immediately believed it after years of not. So I think that like, so I think that Jessica kind of went through a similar thing, you know, here. Oh, I I can relate to that. I had an uncle who spent 15 years in prison 
something like that. And they, and they, my whole life, I was told that like he just lived somewhere else, or like you know, never told the full story. And when he when he came back, he told me that he was in prison that whole time. So I'm thinking, oh, and then you know, the, mentally putting all the pieces together in your head and real like there, there's that that moment of realization happens in this story somewhere. And I guess the point is, I don't see it because we don't know exactly what its the previous version was. Her story is hinged upon the fact that Spider-Man is a bad guy. Without Spider-Man yeah. being a bad guy, her story falls apart. And she could tell herself Spider-Man's a bad guy. But now she's faced with witnessing Spider-Man risk his life to save burning children. That's- and I think that her I, I think her realization started when she saw Ben unmasked. Yeah, yeah she's but- been she was battling that even when like she was hugging him the last issue and he's like, so you're totally going to burn those things, right? <laughs> <laughs> see, but here's, see, but here's where the struggle happens for me, though. That only, there's two parts of the story. There's the part where the burglar shot Uncle Ben, and there's the part where Spider-Man kills the burglar. I think, yeah. but doesn't the Ben being a good guy only takes care of the second part? It doesn't have anything to do with Uncle Ben shoot or being shot. Right. Well, that's my problem. Right. It's, but, it's, but, it's but, but if her like father lied about that, then her father lied about everything else. You know, it's one of those things. Like once you realize that your dad lied about one part of the story, then maybe like you know well, the official well, line made sense. I was gonna say, well, and, he couldn't lie about how he got killed. <laughs> like, like, Someone yeah, else. We were debating like <sighs> how the heck did like she know that? Again, we, we she had a person she made up in her head. Yeah. It's also in those last pages, like she's like you know, basically on her knees at the, at the tomb of, of Ben Parker in a white dress with flowers. It's like. It's made plain for the comic. She's there's a complete character change like within an hour, and I get that like her mind's been changed, but it's it's almost like she's supposed to be a new character. It's like the end of the breakfast. Well, what club. she's doing is taking is she's taking the first step towards acceptance because it's she's not a first been, step. It's she's been, step towards see, mm, see, but see, Zach, if she was at a, a not Uncle Ben's grave, if she was at like her father's grave. That would I would completely agree with that. But mm-hmm. the Uncle Ben aspect is the part where I'm. Uh, I don't. Yeah, and I'm gonna talk. It it, it just feels like you know. So so, okay, I'm with now. Yeah, what's your grade, Gerard? Um, I'm giving this one an A minus. Again, if you kept the Uncle Ben part out of it, it would be an A plus. Okay. Um. All right. So I'm gonna wrap. When's the last time we had a spirit, such a spirited discussion about a single issue like this? Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man 223. (laughs) There you go. See, but that's a good sign. That we're getting into good meaty stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think this era of of, of Spider Man's really really profoundly good. Oh, so. isn't next month the beginning of the Fortunato stuff? It is. It is. Yeah. Issue seventy starts the Fortunato stuff. <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands so. together. I love that stuff. Nice. Um, so with this episode, we have five months left of the Clone Saga. <laughs> Depending on how we record this. <laughs> well, five, five months, but like thirty books. Yeah, yeah, but like, well, and and then we got some specials that are coming on between now and then, and, and things like that. We'll so. be here for a while, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have some stuff. Gonna, we're not. <laughs> I'm gonna die. We're not. This podcast is ever done. I just know it. <laughs> Dude, it's like that. like the final episode. We're gonna like we're gonna be like, and that's all. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> all right, guys, I gotta go. Gabby's graduating high school. Uh, <laughs> hey, kindergarten is a, is a reasonable goal. Let's let's. let's <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. I, to kind of wrap up my with the show with my thoughts, um, because I was gonna I was gonna do more life for Riley, but I'm gonna save that for next month. 
or, or next time we do regular Clone Saga stuff. Um, so I like this book, and there's a lot of symmetry in the in this book, and and I'm I'm very I, I went I went and pulled my other trade, um, uh, my Ben Riley epic book one, and looked at and compared the two. The um, the pose is almost the exact same on the final pages, except for the fact that in uh, in this issue, um, Ben Riley's left hand is closed, the Spider Man, but in the uh, Ben Riley uh, issue zero, his hands open, like kind of like a karate fist. And Jessica and then didn't the, dye uh, her hair blonde. Yes, yeah, Jessica didn't dye her hair blonde. And uh, the opening of the issue with the close up on the actual subject matter. Um, is also near is very symmetrical. Mm. Also, the name the name of the of the issue is, is symmetrical in that it says the ultimate uh, commitment and the ultimate responsibility. So there's a there's a lot of um, bookending to Dan Jurgen's run. So is this um, his last issue. Fact, this is his last issue. I can kind of tell. Uh, and I will I will say missed. this this um there. Uh, I'll go ahead and read because since you brought that up, uh, Glenn's comments and this is part twenty-five of Life of Riley. Uh, Glenn knew all along that Dan Jurgens and Bob Ulinski had experienced what's known as "quote unquote" creative differences during the time of which they worked <laughs> together on Sensational. Uh, Glenn had hoped that uh, Glenn had hoped that they would be able to work through some of these differences and settle on a more comfortable relationship because I because Dan or because Glenn wanted Dan to stay. Glenn valued his presence on the Spider-Man writing team, both from an editor's point of view and as fan. But things really didn't improve between them, and Dan became increasingly frustrated. When Harris became editor-in-chief and postponed the resolution of the Clone Saga for another six months, that, of course, was the final straw. He quit the book. In fact, when uh, Harris told Belinsky to postpone it, Belinsky actually warned Harris that Jurgens would, uh, would most likely quit as a result of that new direction. Harris simply shrugged off the warning, figuring that Jurgens would simply be replaced on Sensational by another writer. Shortly thereafter, Belinsky uh, was laid off from the company, and Maraf Macchio became, took over as the Spider-Man editor. Ralph lined up Todd DeZago to write Sensational 7 and hired Luke Ross to become the new regular penciler. But he had not found a permanent writer for the book and was asking for advice. Glenn's thought was that with Belinsky gone, maybe Dan would be willing to come back. Sure, he'd have to deal with a few more months of Ben Riley, but he would. there would be a new editor in charge, and it would be different. More easygoing, creative environment. And the way the schedule worked, if Dan agreed to come back, he would only have to miss one issue, and that was the one that Todd was writing. They had mapped out the whole publicity campaign. They suggested that we they do a full-page ad in the books with the tagline, The only man who could replace Dan Jurgens as the writer of Sensational Spider-Man is... Dot, 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 Dan Jurgens. Ralph, Ralph liked the idea and called Dan to invite him back as a writer, explaining that he'd already made a commitment to Luke Ross's penciler. But the door was definitely open for Dan to come back, and if, if things would be a lot more fun had, than they had been. Dan told Ralph that he needed time to think about it. And during that time, Ralph sent Dan some copies of the pages that Luke had penciled for Sensational 7 to hopefully entice Jurgens into accepting the offer. Apparently, Luke's wonderful artwork was not not enough for Dan to jump back into the world of Spider-Man. Because as most of you know, he ultimately decided to pass on the opportunity to return to the book that he had launched. And after that time, once the clone saga was over and Peter Parker was back in the suit, they tried to find a way to get Dan to return to Spider-Man. I figured that if Dan's problem was with Ben Riley, 
he felt like he never got to work on Spider-Man. So it wouldn't be too hard to get him to come back now that Peter was restored as the one true web-slinger. For whatever reason, Dan politely turned down every offer Tom Brevorton and him and Glenn made. He's not really sure why. Maybe he felt too burned by his one experience with the character that he was in no real rush to see him work on it again. All that they can, they can say is that there were several opportunities for Van Dan to come back, and he chose to pass on them. So, uh, since then, they've kept in touch on and off over the years, and when he was promoted to associate editor, him and I, the two of them talked about possible projects that they could work on together, but unfortunately, never none of them ever come to, came to fruition. And to this day, it's a damn, uh, Glenn thinks it's a damn shame that his time on Spider-Man was so brief, and that his presence was, and that his presence was one of the few bright spots in the clone era. I can't blame him for leaving, though. I don't blame him either. I've always had mixed feelings because he came on board with Ben Riley of Spider-Man, and then he didn't want to write Ben Riley of Spider-Man. That's kind of BS. It is like I, but, I was but, I would like he sat down and he had a meeting with I, I, which editor was it? Was it Budiansky? I don't remember be, who it was, but he, remember when he he sat down, he had a meeting with an editor, and he said he wanted to bring Sp- Peter Parker back as Spider-Man. To me, that yep. that that's almost like. I don't want to say it's incredibly arrogant, but it sort of is. <laughs> where where you just you walk into a situation where you have however many people working on the books at that point. It's got to be like twenty if we're talking writers or artists, editors. Yeah, yeah. And and you basically just walk in, and you overturn the whole cart because you don't want to do it. That like I, yeah, that be that became it. I would. That's probably one of my biggest problems. Like, like who the hell are you, Dan Jurgens? <laughs> get get lost, you know? Yeah. He's the one that killed Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me actually would think that it's, it was more to do with maybe he and Bob Budiansky obviously re- really didn't like each other and just the whole, oh, it was Ben Riley thing became a cover story. Sort of like Steve Ditko quitting over the identity of the of the Green Goblin, which is BS, but who, who knows? Well, I think... Uh, I, I think, I think delaying was... the Clone Saga ending again would piss off a lot of people. Yeah. Well, when, when, when he was... Okay, we decided to move... Because I think... All Dan did, and, and even it's mentioned with Glenn Greenberg, is Dan basically confirmed the conflicted feelings that Bishansky, or Budiansky, 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 Budiansky um, had felt already. And the fact that Dan had to come in and basically confirm it for him. He was like, "Okay, we well, yeah, have the superstar saying we need to do this, so we're going to move in this direction." See, but, I think, uh, it, but that doesn't work when you're in a room full of other writers. That works if he, if it was just him coming in to write the book himself, and he made that sure. But and he's not even writing the flagship book; he's writing the new the new book on the block. He's writing the fourth Spider-Man title, <laughs> and he just yeah. walked in and said, "I wanted I want all these things to be changed." Yeah, that's, that's, that's above his station to me. It is, yeah. I mean, I get it. He's Dandre. Like that would be. Well, the yeah, I, 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 that's the thing. Like, like, isn't up to this point? Would he be the highest profile creator? On I the was. Like a- I was just gonna say that would be like bring it, when the Lakers sign check. Like it's the same thing. Like you, he's bring, you're bringing in a big name, but you don't just you don't just completely revamp everything just because this guy just showed up. Yeah, that's you still you still have to stick to some sort of plan, and he was. He was in with he was down with the plan when he signed on the dotted line, and then when he showed up, he wasn't down with the plan anymore. Something about that just doesn't sit right with me. Or at the very least, he should have he should, instead of going directly to the editor, he should have had some way of dealing with the other writers and seeing if they were on board as well. 
especially a guy who just came off of writing on a super uh, writing team on Superman. He should know how that works. It's well, and I think stuff. I think he he quickly realized that coming onto Spider Man was just like same song, different verse for having to write on a committee. What so, do you think was <laughs> like? I I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Well, I, wasn't it not under the under under the idea that like he would come in and kind of fix things? If he was the only uh, writer, yeah. But again, he's I, one of four. I you know I think they want they wanted somebody that they could do a high profile launch and. He was available, and he said, "Okay, you know, they're they're basically saying we're going to give you a brand new shiny number one, and you're going to be the writer." Todd DeZago, Howard Mackey. Yeah, I don't know how they would feel. I mean, that's 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 an interesting question. That if we ever get the chance to interview these guys, I I think Gerard makes a good point that like he came in and just like refused to play ball, but at the same time, it's not like uh, he he just has more clout. So I, I can also understand that perspective at least. Yeah, I you know, but you, you remember the return of Kane story like the, the the like the actual Kane stuff was like very very minuscule and the rest of the issue was mainly devoted to whatever Jan Dan wanted to write. So there is a bit of an arrogance to it that well, comes across. Course, I, mean, I mean imagine if they'd got Neil Gaiman or Alan Moore or somebody or even yeah. Frank Miller. I mean, see, I mean, Dan Jurgens. Was- okay, but if you sign Frank Miller, Alan Moore, or Neil Gaiman, he's not writing the fourth Spider Man. No, like, not at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but you also got to think it's also the '90s, and the you know every, and think about the amount of money that that the volume that was created from brand new title launches when you had you know not five years before right. Todd McFarlane. He had what was the most popular Spider-Man book uh, out of the four around this time? Um, I'm gonna guess that Spectacular or Sensational probably had a huge sales number when it started, but that yeah, that Amazing was probably still the top dog. Yeah, amazing was, or or you know, I I know that spectacular was the lowest selling title, and that's why they moved um, on from Sal. No, they actually moved on from Sal. That's also why that book was chosen not to continue because they chose amazing and and Peter Parker to continue, and they did the reboot. That's because those were the two that were selling the best. Yes, but that that's you know a couple of years from this point, so I don't know. Um. All right. Uh, so I, I I I didn't give it a grade yet. Um, I'm going to give this a B a B plus. I I really did enjoy it. Um, a minus from Gerard, B plus from me. Uh, Bertoni, you gave it an A. Yes, I did. And Donovan, you gave it the lowest grade, D. I gave it a C plus. Yes, yes I did. And uh, Greg, it D plus. Okay. Um, C+. And. Uh, C plus from Greg. So very diverse uh, amount of grades. I'm kind of kind of shocked because I would have thought we, we all have been universally liking this one. Um, so yeah, that wraps up um, this particular month, and now we're going to be moving on. Um, kind of give you kind of a brief rundown of how it's going to go. Um, Spectacular really breaks down into two arcs. There's a three issue arc with the lizard and a two issue arc that starts um, very next month with uh, the aforementioned Willow the Wisp and Dragon Man. Um, the uh, ASM is mostly one shots, and uh, there's a little Ooh, bit of a is, the, is Delilah in there? The Deadly is Delilah is in there. Yay! Yay! Uh, I, think, I don't I know why I really like Delilah for some reason. Um, and then you got uh, you got Onslaught, so you got the Onslaught crossover <laughs> issues. Was that all and, four books, or was that just amazing and and yeah, just a, just amazing? Have, and Peter oh, Parker. I'm gonna have so much fun making fun of Onslaught. 
And then we've got uh, a bunch of fun one shots with um, uh, sensational, and then uh, uh, then there it's right before Revelations. There's a two issue arc in Sensational, so a lot of fun with those. Uh, we'll we'll um, we'll probably do them in the order of which they appear in the Clone Saga trades. So um, we will uh, begin doing that. Uh, kind of giving you kind of to give you an update on some future episodes. We. Um, our next episode that we're going to be recording is actually going to be wrapping up the Scarlet Spider, uh, the final five issues of Scarlet Spider. So, huh? uh, the modern series. Of uh, the modern series. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we never got around to finishing it. Yeah, so, we got to we got to wrap that up. I thought, I thought we already did those titles, those horrible titles. <laughs> uh, no, 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 yeah. This this is uh, well, the Kane are, stuff. Like this is all the Kane stuff, and and they're not very good. To be honest with you, no. So I never, um, I never even read them. I, I think I stopped at issue nineteen. Nah, I All I remember that is that he, he, he was the danger. Yeah, uh, I was about to mention that had ticked uh, you off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, everyone I, was I, in I, the Breaking Bad. So Kane says, "I am the danger in the last issue." Yeah, the the last issue, I I, I wanted to throw tables. Like they charge you an extra buck and like completely effed up. I, I kind of want Josh in there just to kind of talk about the like the blatant errors I, and donovan, i'll, you can I'll do it as long as i'm not like working that day i mean if donovan wants to be it would be kind of good to have a symmetrical type of thing where we have a because y'all we all did the beginning and we can do the end you know why don't we all know those, all those and, and we should like listen back to, to when we did issue one and do a symmetrical episode where we like have callbacks to like you know things that we said or jokes oh my god can you imagine going back and seeing what references we made in that episode it's probably Monster. all that it's, <laughs> like, it's like listening to those early clone Saga chronicles and all those like ridiculous miley cyrus references and stuff yeah <laughs> Yeah, that like, was before there's, there's she a, was a wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah, that's before she decided to get, like just walk around naked. And, I'm Brandon, Bra- and like, Brandon was on those episodes. What? Poor Brandon. Well, what year? I am. I, my, my thought was for the final episode would be to bring Brandon on. And be like, where have you been? Requiem for a B dog. He's like, well, I went through puberty <laughs> and graduated, you know, college, and like <laughs> he's been hanging around a lot with New York City, and he well, doesn't want to even meet me once. Son of a bitch. What, what I got issues with that kid. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what year did Scarlet Spider come out in? Issue one. Twenty twelve. Uh twenty twelve. Twenty twelve through twenty early twenty fourteen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what topical references we would make. Like The end of well, the world, because that was a twenty twelve thing. <laughs> Boy, the Mayans are sure gonna kill us. And uh <laughs> that was when they announced that Disney bought Star Wars. Like, oh man, I wonder if episode seven is going to have like ever come out or yeah, um, exactly. or uh, but, what was going uh, yeah, on that, in the Spidey books? That was a spider uh, ends of the earth, I think. Oh, oh God! Now wait a second. Or, no, Spider Island. It was Spider Island. I- Island me. was 2011. No, no, yeah. it was ends of the earth. It was ends yeah. of the earth. Was yeah, because I remember we kept. I think we made a ends couple of the earth. Ends things. of the earth. I've got to get to the ends of the earth. Yeah, well, Bonus like, if you get that. Like, Shocker! I will chase you to the end of the earth. That's actually not what it was from. I know. I, I can't think of a lot of topical references in 2012. It's also it's also one o'clock in the morning for you right now. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Presidential election, anyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there's Wait, a symmetrical hey reference for you. Hey guys, are we sitting in the front seat or sitting in the back seat? Because it's Friday, Friday. Oh, oh God! Jesus. That's right. oh, oh my God! We'll, 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 we will wrap up. No, think about this. We will wrap up the book 
It took us four years to do it. Oh God! <laughs> Wait a second. Now, are we, are we just going to cover those last five, or are we going to also? Because that new warrior series didn't last long. The new warrior series is good. We are we doing. We can just talk complete, about like I, what came I, and then without like reviewing it. I actually um, did the the entire new warriors. Scarlet Spider. So that includes the twelve issues. Are we still of officially doing the show at the moment? He's talking about the new warriors from uh from, from I'm, I'm like, talking about yeah, I'm talking about the, the yeah, the recent the Kane warriors. the Kane New Warriors and the Ben Rally New Warriors. I covered all of that. Oh you did okay, you did it already. Okay. Yeah, I did it already. In, in that it, there will be a future episode that'll be just devoted to the new warriors. That was just Christmas so. present to us. Did you get yeah. did anybody make fun of you for calling Araceli Mysterious? No. Okay. What is there? Oh, a yeah, I get the there? reference. Okay, <laughs> I understood that reference. I don't get um, it. Oh. When George came back to Crawl Space, Zach was talking about New Warriors, and he was like saying that Araceli, like, it, like he was reviewing the characters. Like, Araceli, a mysterious, you know, girl, and George's like mysterious, ha? Huh? Because he had just read the New Warriors and that Scarlet Spider. There's nothing mysterious about her. She's just a teenage girl. And then Zach oh, like geez. tried to explain like if you read Scarlet <laughs> then Spider, then I got talked down. Yeah, yeah and then he's like. Talk- it was more important for him to have a moment than like it was to oh. actually make sense. So, so he did his thing where he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, but he still shouts you down anyway. Yes, yeah, exactly. basically, exactly. was himself. Uh, so, um, anyway, um, let me wrap the show up. So, with um, with that, so ne- obviously, so next episode we're going to have uh, the five issues of Scarlet Spider, and then we'll have an issue or a special episode devoted to the New Warriors, and then we'll get back on track with our. Clone Saga look, look back. I haven't decided if we're going to go back and do Planet of the Symbiotes or not yet and torture everybody. But uh, can we do that after we're done with Revelations? Because I just want to get to Revelations. We we just need, we need to get to the goddamn end of the Clone Saga at this point. But I, I want to wrap the show up with Revelations. This, this show started seven years ago, Zach. Can we, can we get to the end already? I'm not. Uh, I mean, I, I would totally love to do like you know the original stuff from the '70s, like just for fun at one point. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's also part of my plan. I'm I'm just torturing Gerard at this point, which uh, you know I kind of take a little bit of light of. But uh, we will um, we will keep you guys posted on all our new episodes. Of course, you can uh, email us at clonesoccerchronicles at gmail Leave us a voicemail and on our voicemail line eight one eight nine two five six six three one. Or uh, leave us a comment on our Facebook page or even on Twitter at Clone at Clone Saga Crony. So with that, we'll uh, wrap up the show on behalf of the entire crew, Don, Gerard, Josh, and Greg. We'll see you next time here on the Spider-Man SpideyDude.com radio network. <laughs>